0: Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us I can my go to 1960s to the distant future from light-hearted holocaust dramedies to wild conspiracy theories 2019 was a year when our knives were out our gems were uncut and our women were little uh we covered a lot of movies on this podcast over the year and we're about to count them down on this week's mike and mike go to the movies i'm mike smith joining me as always is a man who asked that when i bring him out if i could introduce him as joker
1: <laughs> <laughs> mike decrucia <do you> <laughs> how are you doing today mike I'm doing great. Uh, spoiler alert, Joker will not be appearing on my list this this year. Uh, I, I wanted just want to, to get that, that out of the way.
0: Yeah. I wanted to uh, use that intro for you because I knew you would hate it so much. Uh, so.
1: <laughs> I think you used it on the Joker episode and I'm mad about it still.
0: Did I use it on the Joker episode? I don't think I did. I Maybe I, don't, maybe I, don't maybe I, don't I did. Who knows? Who, who can remember Call that far back? Yeah. yeah, please check the minutes on that one, Colin. Uh, all the theme songs you're going to hear in this episode created by Colin Cullen. Our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. If you ever want to contact us and respond to something we did in the show, uh, you can email us over at MikeMikeOtoTheMovies at gmail.com. Been a little while since we recorded an episode, Mike. Uh, has It, it was uh, our Star Wars episode, which was like, I don't know, like two and a half, three weeks ago at this point. It seems, it seems crazy. If,
1: if you could call that an episode, yeah. you know? <laughs>
0: Rather than just a jumbled mess that we will never discuss ever again.
2: (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Did you go back? Yeah, it was a
1: while
0: ago. Yeah, did you go back and listen to our Star Wars episode? Uh, In case people didn't listen to that one, we we kind of did that under a time crunch, and we kind of just put that out there, unedited, uninterrupted, totally raw, as we were saying it in the episode. So did you actually go back and listen to our Star Wars episode, Mike?
1: I did not, uh, did but not. Colin reported to me and said it was actually pretty good. So okay. I'll take his word for it. Yeah,
0: I, I got a lot of positive feedback from that one too, actually. So I was pretty happy with it. I went back and listened to it, and I think it actually is pretty funny. I think the the fact <laughs> the fact that you know we had like two other voices there uh, who were able to kind of fill in the gaps whenever somebody like didn't know what they were supposed to be saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> Definitely helped us out a lot. I think.
1: That's good, Uh, I'm glad
0: But yes, our Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker episode was a lot of fun Thanks again to uh, Kyle and Vin for uh, helping us out with that one Uh, And then, you know, we had our time off for the holidays We had Christmas, we had New Year's and all that stuff Did you have a good holiday season, Mike?
1: Of course, it was wonderful, everything's good How about you, Mike?
0: Yeah, it was pretty good I was able to go back to New York for uh, about a week and a half And hang out with people and some friends Not you, unfortunately
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I see how it is (laughs) You did invite me, so I
0: I invited you to a thing and you declined (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it was very many hours away sure, so you know yeah. the struggle
0: I get it I get it but uh, yeah so we were able to do some holiday stuff came back for uh, New Year's I was able to hang out with the Roxy which is the indie Theater near my house in Missoula, Montana uh, got to watch uh, their annual Kung Fu Marathon for a couple of movies uh, so that was a ton of fun uh, and then you know nice. had other New Year's celebrations throughout the night as well uh and then you know because of the weird timing of new years like today as we're recording this it is January 7th it's been a full week since new years uh Jesus. and normally we like to get this out there like as early in the new year as possible but just like the weird timing of it where like new year was on a Wednesday uh it's tough to <laughs> it was tough to kind of yeah. make this episode happen uh a little bit earlier so we're making it happen now who cares uh if we're a week late it's the best of 2019 the top 10 movies of 2019, plus the top three TV shows and the top five movies uh, that we're going to look forward to in 2020, also, which is kind of how this episode is going to be structured. So, Mike, I mean, you know, we've watched a lot of movies over 2019. I especially have watched a lot, a lot of movies. You,
1: what's your? I know you are a uh, compulsive, some might say, uh, note taker, list keeper for your movie watching yep. habits. What's your? What's your total for the 2019?
0: Uh, I of 2019 movies, I have watched 121. Uh, new My God. new releases that came out this year. Uh, I don't. I actually haven't written down the final numbers for like movies total that I watched for the first time in 2019. Um, but it's over 250.
1: Um, My God. What was what was last year? I feel like last year you had your record. Oh, right? I beat
0: last year. I beat last year for sure. Uh, <laughs> nice. I think last year I hit 260. I want to say. Um, okay. So yeah, this year I, I beat the record. I, I next next episode I'll have it all written down and I'll give you guys the final tally for uh, <laughs> the amount of movies I watched for the first time this year. Uh, I wait
1: with bated breath. I know
0: you do. So, yeah, the the (laughs) landscape of movies changed, I think, a lot over the course of 2019, Mike. I mean, you know, Disney made the most money any studio had ever made in a single year ever. Uh, which hmm, is insane, shocking, yeah, <laughs> crazy, right? <laughs> uh, and launched Disney Plus in the process, uh, all while tightening their grip in the industry as they officially acquired 20th Century Fox. Uh, and while the blockbuster landscape seems bleak as a result, uh, there were also a number of original breakout successes this year too, with the likes of Midsummer and Knives Out and Ready or Not, and movies like that all performing pretty well in theaters. Uh, and it was also a year of big finales. Avengers: Endgame came out this year. Game of Thrones season eight was this year. Star Wars The that ri- was this she- year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker was this year. And to, one of the, one of those things that I just mentioned was good um all all of which had many people talking and in many cases yelling about them on the internet for weeks or months uh it was a year of i think star making performances and a year where both young and established filmmakers kept bringing something new to the table uh it was a year where directors behind breakout horror hits like ari aster jordan peele robert eggers david robert mitchell and jennifer kent all followed them up with bigger and more ambitious projects and of course it was the year of the Keanu-sants uh, in 2019. Uh, and it was a major year for streaming. I mean, Netflix officially became a real awards player last year with Roma, but this year, man, I mean, The Irishman, Marriage Story, Dolomite is my name, and I guess The Two Popes. <laughs> you know? Uh,
1: did you see, um, just real quick, Marriage Story getting a Criterion release?
0: Is it really? I didn't see that.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, they announced it, I think, on the forums or some shit today. Oh,
0: wow. That's that's actually awesome. That's actually, I mean, Noah Baumbach is a filmmaker who fits in with Criterion collection. I'm not sure... Does, is the squid in the whale in Criterion? I actually have no idea.
1: I don't know off the top of my head. I think
0: I think it might be. Maybe "Kicking and Screaming" is that might be what I'm thinking of. But uh, maybe Noah Baumbach, great filmmaker, and has been working with Netflix recently with uh, "Marriage Story" and with uh, the Meyerowitz stories, which is a movie that I think is better than, than "Marriage Story," but whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and "Marriage Story" is really good too, um, and that's that's a cool release. I might actually pick that up. Uh, and you know, Net- Netflix essentially proved they could help produce some of the best work from great artists alongside any major studio. And turn their movies into a cultural force. Which is kind of the cool thing that I've been seeing this year. You know, when Romo was coming out, like, it was a big awards player. I'm not sure how many people actually watched it. Uh, but with this movie, I've been seeing, you know, nonstop things about The Irishman and Marriage Story specifically. Like, The Marriage Story kind of became a meme on the internet and has been living on through that. Yeah. Uh, and The Irishman, just anecdotally, like, I, <laughs> it came out, like, the day before Thanksgiving on Netflix. I saw it in theaters um, the week before that happened. Uh, and so I was traveling back home on Thanksgiving, went back home and, you know, got there. And my uncle was like, Hey, did you watch the Irishman yet? And I was like, actually, yeah, I saw it in theaters last week. Did you watch it? And he was like, yeah, I watched it last night. And I was like, Oh, it's a three and a half hour movie. It's impressive that you were able to find the time to watch it so quickly. Uh, and then my aunt was like, Hey, did you watch the Irishman yet? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like literally everyone on my mom's side of the family had already watched the Irishman. Uh, You know, even though that movie is a three and a half hour long movie, they were all were able to find the time to watch it somehow. I don't know how they did it. I I have a pretty large family.
1: (laughs) Me neither. I I haven't been able to find time to do it yet, and I'm sad about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you should be. The Irishman's great. You should watch it. Uh, So, so The Irishman also not a movie that will be on your uh, top top (laughs) 2019 list. Both movies that are essentially riffs on earlier Martin Scorsese movies. (laughs) Although one of
1: Robert De Niro not represented on my list.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is a damn shame um, and then yeah like I mentioned before on a personal level saw more movies in 2019 than I have in any other year in my life uh, as of now I've seen 121 releases still a few movies that I want to see like I, even though I've seen a lot of movies I still haven't seen 1917 I still haven't seen A Hidden Life uh, I still haven't seen The Two Popes S- sorry Um <laughs> <laughs> I'll get around to it I guess I, I was I literally had the thought the other day like um I was on Netflix and I was choosing between two movies and my choices were The Two Popes and Six Underground the new Michael Bay movie <laughs> <laughs> and I show Six
1: Underground <laughs> you son of a bitch uh, stay tuned for more on Mike's list yeah. for Six Underground
0: oh Six Underground's taking the top spot Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's Six Underground Men in Black International <laughs> whatever other shitty 2019 release I can think of I don't know Stuber uh uh yeah sex underground quick review not a very good movie first 20 minutes are fucking awesome
3: nice
1: first 20
0: minutes some of the most insane action filmmaking of michael Bay's career you should watch the first 20 minutes and then immediately stop uh
1: and then just give up yeah
0: just just it's never going to get as good as that and it it, in fact (laughs) actively gets much worse uh um, uh, but yeah so still a lot of movies i want to see in uh that came out in 2019 so obviously like I want to say my list is incomplete, but it's, you know, I saw a lot. I, I think I saw more than, like, the average person did. Uh, and how
1: are you... Oh, yeah, for sure, Mike.
0: <laughs> and how are you feeling about your list, Mike?
1: Uh, I actually feel pretty good. Um, last year, you helped me out uh, before, you know, a couple weeks before we did our top 10. Yeah. Because uh, I don't see 129 movies or whatever you saw. <laughs> um, I mean, it was I'm like, easy, hey. Yeah.
0: It, it was easier you know, for me this year because I lived in Missoula for the full year, which meant I lived around the corner from the Roxy for the entire year, and it helped
1: out. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, you t- uh, say, "Hey, give me like you know, 20 movies or so that I, you, you know, I miss because I didn't do on discussion." <laughs> um, that you and um, so I feel like I get a much larger, I got a much larger, or you know, fuller picture of what these the release was last year and also in 2019. So I feel much better about my list <laughs> than I had in previous years, where I would just go back. Through our list of episodes and make a top ten out of those.
0: So <laughs> nice. I'm waiting. I know. I know, though, that you're waiting for the day when I'm like, okay, listen. You can just include some of your like weird '80s B movies on the on your 2019 list. If, uh,
1: it's, if it's just movies I've seen in 2019, <laughs> that's a whole different ball game. <laughs>
0: that could be a thing that we do. I mean, we we both um, counted down on Twitter our top ten favorite non-2019 movies that we watched for the first time this year, and uh, that that could be something we do in a future epi- like a future year on the podcast. I think where we include that list in our episode um but yeah. also this episode takes forever to make anyway so we'll see what happens
1: maybe it could just be like an off mic we put out at some time around this time you know
0: yeah maybe something like that so we'll, we'll workshop that for 2021 or whatever the hell um but, <laughs> oh, yeah. but for now this is what we're doing uh here's how it's gonna work today we're gonna begin by counting down our top three tv shows of 2019 uh which you know i think i watch a lot of tv and then i watch the emmys of the golden globes and i'm like man i don't watch any tv like i'm <laughs>
1: What are are they talking about? I don't
0: watch anything here. Um, But yeah, so I I was able to cobble together a couple of shows for my TV (laughs) section. Uh, And then we get into the meat of the episode, our top 10 favorite movies of the year. And finally, after that, we look ahead at what 2020 has to offer and count down the five movies we're looking forward to the most this year. Uh, And in between each segment, I'm going to be playing some of my favorite songs from movies this year. So let's do it, Mike. Let's kick things off uh, to play us into it. Here's Not Evil from The Lego Movie 2.
4: Don't worry, I'm totally not one of those evil queens You've read about in fairy tales or seen in the movies And there's no reason at all to be suspicious of me (laughs) Mm -hmm. I won't lie, it's actually very
3: suspicious that you're leading with this I'm
4: so not a villain, I have zero evil plans No ulterior motives, just wanna help where I can Reason at all to be
5: suspicious of Queen. Queen
6: Whatever
0: All right, here we go. It's time for our top three TV shows of the year. Now, again, uh, a lot of shows that I watch... I have not been from twenty nineteen. Like I'm catching up on the like, shows <laughs> that came out like years ago. I spent a lot of this year just watching Deadwood. So like you know, it's it's one of those things. Uh, you finally
1: I... finished Cheers from twenty five years ago.
0: <laughs> I did finish Cheers earlier this year. I started watching Frasier, and I was so upset. Actually, Frasier left Netflix on January first, uh, and I'm halfway through no. season. I'm halfway through season two of Frasier. What am I gonna do? My. <laughs> i have Physical so many media forever i have so many unanswered questions about uh, what's going on in Fraser. <laughs> uh i did i did look up um you know i looked up on just watch to see if Frazier is streaming anywhere uh and it is available on cbs all access which seems wrong because Frazier aired on nbc uh <laughs> <laughs> wait a second uh, i know um and it's also like some of the seasons are on hulu but not the season that i am on right now uh so it's like My do God. i skip ahead what do i do i don't know but i'll, I'll I'll keep the audience updated on my Fraser situation later. But for now, (laughs) Mike, we got to count down our top three TV shows of the year. So, why don't you start, man? What is your number three television show of 2019?
1: Uh, My number three TV show is Netflix's The Witcher.
7: There's something back here. It sort of looks like a pawn. Yes, yeah. Uh, Hello. Hello, little fellow. Oh, aren't you just the cutest, most terrifying kind of thing i've ever seen in my entire life run away
2: run away gerald it's one of your friends again ah. what in the
6: name of roman magd is that santa rica it's probably starving she's your weapons <laughs> <laughs>
8: For kingdom and glory! Strike.
9: You could have been killed.
10: If we'd fed it,
1: it would have
4: gone
10: away.
6: Thanks. That night may be a fucking dumbbell. But I'll be damned, the dragon won't stand a chance. Okay. Uh,
1: this is a late entry for 2019. It came out, I think, like, December, or dropped December, like, 23rd or something like that. The <laughs> Friday before Christmas, it dropped. Yeah, had you watched uh, it
0: when we, um, when we did our Star Wars episode? Uh, I feel like we were talking about it. Or had, um,
1: it I don't remember.
0: Okay. I feel like we were talking about it, because you watched it really quick, right?
1: Yeah, the, the first weekend it came out, I watched it. Yeah, um, sounds, sounds right. yeah so i'm a i'm a big witcher fan you know the books yeah. the video game uh and all that stuff so i was very very excited for this and uh it definitely has some problems it's got like a weird structural thing i mean the novels have this too where it kind of does multiple timelines flashbacks unclear when stuff is happening until much later on when it's like oh shit and then like you know actual the whole weight of what's going on hits you um and it does some of that stuff which you know ex- I th- is confusing to a lot of people that aren't familiar with that or like, aren't yeah. expecting it but it is really cool it's really fun it's just like unabashed unabashed uh like fantasy schlock kind of stuff just like monster hunting sexy people and like that's <laughs> all i want in my life uh henry cavill is great as geralt um so yeah that's the witcher the next next season is like 2021 so it's like oh man so that's like game of thrones level <laughs> weight uh um, yeah so hopefully season two is also very good. And uh, and there's a whole thing uh, that came out with Netflix, like, officially. Uh, I don't know about officially, but, like, they have this, have it down to a science where they give, they cancel shows after their third season. Because right. it stops bringing in new people, and they want new shows to keep current subscribers happy. So, like, they always cancel stuff after two or three seasons. So yeah. I'm really nervous for The Witcher because it's, like... The showrunner is like, yeah, we have an eight-season outline. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's number—that's my number three spot. And there's a couple there that were kind of, like, neck and neck. And just because of my preference for Witcher stuff, I was like, I got to get that on there.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about The Witcher. I, uh, I am somebody who knows basically nothing about The Witcher. Um, like, I've never played the video game. I have not read any of the books. I, I know genuinely nothing. I know, it's a, I know Henry <laughs> Cavill's in the show, and I know it's a fantasy thing. And that's basically it.
2: Um, I mean, like, <laughs> do you need more though?
0: Uh, I mean sure. I get uh, but you know what I'm, <laughs> I, it seems cool. Like I feel like maybe I'll check it out. But also like um, I did watch the first episode of His Dark Materials this year, um, which is also a fancy thing that I know basically nothing about. Um and yeah. I was and I was completely lost. Like I had no idea what was what was <laughs> happening. Uh and I'm fearful that the Witcher will be the same thing for me. Um but everybody I know who is mm-hmm. super, like I know I know a surprising amount of people who are really into the Witcher. I had no idea how big it was. <laughs> like I thought, it I thought actually... it, Yeah, I thought it was a thing that you were really into and like it was like, you know, popular <laughs> yeah, among nobody knows this. I thought it was popular among like your D and D friends, but like I know people in like the real world who <laughs> who, who who like actual the humans? Actual human beings. I was I was shocked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah the it's crazy the video game broke its all-time uh concurrent player l- record four really? years after it came out it came out t- in four years ago and after the season the series dropped it broke its all-time like play record on oh, wow. steam um so like it's doing stuff people okay. are going back to it that's cool yeah so, wor- so, wor- i'd be interested watch one episode and let me know just because i know same thing with like you mentioned with his dark materials so i'm interested what you yeah. would think
0: I will. I will watch The Witcher at some point in the near future, and by the near future, I mean probably never. I don't like, know.
1: Maybe at <laughs> like some a point. couple like
0: a couple years from now, probably. I, ju- I, ju- I just started watching The Haunting of Hill House, uh, which came out yep. in like early 2018, and I'm like, yeah, guys, The Haunting of Hill House. You guys all still talking <laughs> yeah, <loves>. about it. <laughs> um, Stranger yeah, Things so season Witcher, one. Am I right? It's on Netflix, and it just aired its first season. Uh, probably worth checking it out, especially if you're into high fantasy stuff. And I, I, Mike definitely endorses it, so there's that because it is on his list. Yes. Uh, my number three of the year uh, is on HBO. Actually, all three of my number three picks are all HBO shows. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I feel like there's there's a lot of like Netflix shows that came out this year that I like thought like, hey, I should watch this, but like the fact that it's like a full season at once, just like I have no, t- I I can't budget that in my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas like you know an HBO show comes out once a week weekly episode. I can spend a half hour a week watching the show. There's like a designated time period where I can do that. That's great. Uh, I I miss the old school (laughs) way of uh, watching television, which is why I was so glad that um, Disney Plus released its shows uh, once a week. Um, The Mandalorian did not make my top three, but it's a show I liked a lot. Uh, And it's a show that, uh, you know, did the weekly thing. And I feel like people were talking about it a, a lot more because like, hey, it's a weekly type thing, and I can get more into Absolutely. it uh, as a result. Um, but my number three show of the year uh, was on HBO. Uh, it's created by Danny McBride, Jody Hill, and David Gordon Green, and that is The Righteous Gemstones.
6: Do y'all want to see a sneak peek? Oh, yeah, so we've sure. got to go to a commercial. Oh, I don't there. think we're going to take a break yet, because guess what? I wore my clogging shoes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> have to no have God's business here. Let's do it. Oh, uh... I, I, I think Eli needs to take a commercial break. Just, just, oh. just leave the dancing to us, Eli. Come on now. The rest of us, we're going to sing and we're going to dance. Hallelujah! <laughs> Mama told me not to. I did anyway misbehaving. Daddy said don't, but I said I'm going to misbehaving. Hiding on a windowsill, swimming in the creek. Catching crawl dance and playing with a stick. And I got caught shaven. Just, Just two, two little country kids, kids outside misbehaving the Teacher said don't, but I said it anyway Misbehaving Preacher said no, if you do, you're gonna pay. misbehaving Kicking
5: and spitting and a out loud Running
6: through the house with a pickle in my mouth
5: Playing in the street, look at me outside a-waving
3: Just
11: two, two little kids, kids out there misbehaving
0: <laughs> which uh, is nice. a great show. Uh, I loved Eastbound and Down. I love Vice Principals. So like, I was pretty excited for this one, just in general, because these guys have made a lot of great work in the past. And, uh, and then I, I was kind of just blown away by the show, by how much it feels of a piece with those works and like an entirely different thing. Um, I mean, it's a satire televangelist, um, and it often plays like a Coen Brothers dark comedy um, I, when, when the pilot ended the way it did, I was like, this is not the show I thought this was going to be. And I am so much more on board <laughs> than I was, even though I was already like, pretty on board just by the level of talent that was involved in the show um and it's also sometimes just a really heartwarming family drama uh it's really good at being that um plus it gave the world misbehavin which is the best song of all time um so <laughs> there's that i mean Dan mcbride is the star of the show adam divine uh who you know is somebody who i think is okay I, I wasn't i never really watched workaholics so i don't really have that aspect of adam divine to draw from so i mostly know him from like really mugging comedy roles in movies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That kind of like smarmy, like pitch perfect, you know, type thing that he's in, uh, where he's always a supporting character. and He's always kind of like a, like a jerk or whatever. Uh, but he's pretty funny in the show. Uh, John Goodman's in the show and he's really great. Walton Goggins as uncle baby, Billy, uh, one of the greatest <laughs> casting choices of all time. I mean, he was great in Vice Principals also, but he kills some Righteous Gemstones. Uh, and he also saints Misbehaving, which is also amazing. Uh, so yeah, The Righteous Gemstones, season one. It's on uh, HBO right now. And uh, Mike, I'm assuming you have not watched this, right?
1: No, I haven't gotten around to it. Uh, it's one of it's just another one of those shows where, yeah. like, yeah, like same thing, kind of you were talking about, like, yeah, I'd probably really like that. Eh, yeah, maybe eventually at some point.
0: Maybe maybe like two years from now, I'll watch The Witcher and you watch The Righteous Gemstones, and <laughs> and we'll report Deal. back. <laughs> Uh, all right, Mike, always let's... on the
1: finger on the pulse here on Mike yeah, and Mike.
0: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, Mike, what's your number two show of 2019?
1: My number two show is also an HBO joint, uh, okay. and that is Chernobyl.
12: There is also an additional problem nuclear fuel doesn't turn cold simply because it is not on fire. In fact, the temperature will likely rise as a result of the blanket of sand we dropped. The uranium will melt the sand, creating a kind of lava which will begin to melt down through the shield below. You've made lava. I anticipated this. I believe there was time to reinforce this lower concrete pad before the lava reached the earth and contaminated the groundwater. But as it turned out, I was worried about the wrong thing. Uh, um, It was my understanding that these large water tanks under the reactor were essentially empty. Uh, this is Ulana Komyuk of the Belarusian Institute. Thanks to her insight, we are now aware that the tanks are, in fact, full of water. Yeah. Why is that a problem, Professor?
9: <clears throat> when the lava enters these tanks, it will instantly superheat and vaporize approximately 7,000 cubic meters of water, causing a significant thermal explosion.
11: How significant?
9: We estimate between two and four megatons. Everything within a 30 kilometer radius will be completely destroyed, including the three remaining reactors at Chernobyl. The entirety of the radioactive material in all of the cores will be ejected at force and dispersed by a massive shockwave, which will extend approximately 200 kilometers and likely be fatal to the entire population of kiev as well as a portion of minsk
0: all right i i meant to watch chernobyl and i did not
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs) i feel like there's gonna be a lot of that this episode (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah i mean chernobyl it's a limited series on hbo i think it's like six or five episodes i think it's five um, and the first three yep. episodes of Chernobyl are the best horror movie I've ever seen, like ever period, <laughs> like the three mov- three episodes together, uh, is out of control. That's the actual like meltdown and like immediate after effects and the, re- the attempt to uh, seal the, the, the reactor and everything. Yep. Um, and then c- episodes, uh, four and five are kind of like the cleanup and like the trial and like all that stuff. Uh, And it slows down a bit, and it gets a little more procedural and kind of uh, just going through, like, the day-to-day of what happened after that. Uh, And it's still very good. It's riveting. Uh, But seriously, like, the first three episodes, like, me and my dad were like, yeah, let's just check it out and see what happened. And it was like, when we finished the third episode, we were like, holy, can we breathe finally? Like, what is going on? (laughs) This is insane. Yeah, terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, I, I so that's j- Chernobyl. Absolutely recommend it.
0: Yeah, I was flying back from New York um, during the holiday after the holiday break, um, and they had the entire series of Chernobyl as like an in-flight entertainment on Delta Airlines when I was flying. And I thought to myself, like, man, I have like a six-hour flight ahead of me. I could theoretically just binge-watch Chernobyl this entire time, but I wanted to give it like actual sp- like I, w- I want to watch it like for sure. But I wanted to give it, like actual space. You know, I don't want to like yeah like i don't want to be like watching it on like a three inch screen on, my, on an airplane surrounded by people like i want to be able to watch it at my <laughs> yeah, house.
1: being judged for what you're watching
0: <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah not
1: for the faint of heart for definitely chernobyl absolutely nice.
0: yeah well, i'm glad yeah and that show also developed by craig mazin who um was the writer of the hangover um which is just bizarre. jesus he had a pretty long career in like comedy movies like really dumb comedy movies and then suddenly just came around and did chernobyl uh which is nuts so i'm glad that uh, one work from an old guy who worked on The Hangover uh, made one of your lists, Mike.
1: <laughs> There's some representation of, you know, of uh, the Hangover crew.
0: And that's really the crew that needs the most representation in Hollywood these days is guys who worked on right. The Hangover.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, all those white dudes? Yeah, they need yeah. the most help.
0: Uh, all right. My number two show of 2019 is a show that I'm guessing might be your number one. But uh, <laughs> like I'm just, I, I have no idea. Like, I'm... I'm guessing it might be We'll see mm-hmm. uh, My number two show of 2019 is Watchmen
3: Oh John My dear beloved John
13: My god John Is
12: that you?
8: I am both John And not John, I am the past, the present, and the future, all at once. Boundless omniscience incarnate, swirling in the luminous
6: plasma of a newborn star. I am... Dr. Manhattan.
4: Oh, John. Is this the end?
10: Nothing ends, Janie. Nothing, Nothing ever
0: ends. ends. Which is uh, to help with Damon Lindelof, uh, the creator of The Leftovers, and of course Lost. Uh, and, you know, I was in the bag for anything Lindelof did after The Leftovers, uh, as as were you. I mean, you were also a huge Leftovers fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we were both looking forward to this show because, A, you know, just really excited to see what he was doing next, and B, like, what the fuck was he going to do with Watchmen? You know, it was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I, I had read, I read Watchmen background the time the movie had come out um so the movie came out in like 2009 i think i read Watchmen right beforehand like the, it was like march 2009 i read it in like february 2009 so it's been it, and i haven't read it since so it's been about 10 years since i've actually read the Watchmen comic uh and so mm-hmm. i kind of did a little bit of refreshers and stuff like that like just kind of re- like recapping stuff that happened in the comic online and stuff and this show you know kind of t- lists stuff from the comic it is a sequel to the stuff that happened in the comic but it is completely its own thing uh, and it feels like, you know, a modern day sequel to one of the most beloved comics of all time seems like a really thankless task for a storyteller to take on. Like how, like, yeah. like if he fucks this up and it's like highly probable that he will, uh, it's, you know, everyone's going to hate you, you know, it's like, like you're going to have angry nerds yelling at you on the internet for years and years. Um, and then holy shit. He did it. Watchmen. It's, <laughs> it's it's an amazing show. I think the perfect companion piece to the book. Um, it creates a narrative that feels very vital to 2019 um, while still building on those events to create an exciting new chapter with mostly new characters, but some legacy characters who are all really well represented. When it does unleash those old characters, especially towards the end, it is just so perfectly executed. Uh, and it's big and it's bold and it's ambitious and weird and funny and dark and probably the actual best show of 2019, but comes just shy of being my personal favorite. Uh, um, it's nice. it's it's really fucking good i mean watchman is awesome and you know the season ended and it's looking like dame lindelof is saying like it's a one and done he doesn't want to do a season two unless he has like an amazing idea and i kind of love that because it ends in such a perfect place where it's like there could probably be more stories told after this but like the story of the season is basically done uh so right so yeah watchman season one ish uh pos- possibly the only season <laughs> Uh, but really, really great, and it's on HBO. And uh, if you were a fan of the comic, you should absolutely be watching Watchmen. Uh, so, Mike, what was your number one of twenty uh, nineteen? <laughs>
1: uh well my number one is the story of lube man oh no okay that's uh <laughs> one of the characters in the Watchmen. in Watchmen, because number one is watch is Watchmen. that's
0: what i thought yeah i mean we, we yeah we, come on we, we were talking about this show a lot when it was airing so i figured and just the way we were talking about it i was like yeah it's gonna be like number one <laughs> yeah
1: come on well i was gonna I, I was gonna put chernobyl as number one but i feel like just the the impact of Watchmen. um because like you said, just putting it, making it feel so vital to 2019, yeah, uh, just confronting outright like white supremacy and racism and police brutality, but also in this alternate superhero history, which is just so fucking weird and awesome and, right. and, and propaganda use and everything. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's so good. I just love it. And I've actually never even read the comic. Um, oh really? And I feel like maybe, yeah. I, I, I mean, like you know, I kind of know it like through like cultural osmosis and being like in nerd community stuff. Sure. So like I generally understand what it is, uh, uh but I think it's that a testament to like you know you don't really I don't think you need to have watched or read the con- like definitely not don't need to have watched the movie. Fuck that. That that's got nothing to do with this show at all. um yeah. Actually, this yeah, the I don't the show think you actually have...
0: makes fun of the movie in a couple of uh, couples. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: And just Regina King, right? Is that the yeah,
0: lead? R- Regina King in the lead yeah. role. Uh, she's awesome. She's great in the this, in this show.
1: Incredible. Yeah, it's it's a pretty perfect... It's it's just that Lindelof joint, you know? And we yeah. love a good Lindelof joint here.
0: We love a good Lindelof joint. Can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, if it's not going to be Watchmen, it's got to be something... Like, I think he's already developing something else HBO, so, you know, nice. knows? Who, <laughs> who knows
1: what's going to happen. There was actually... A really funny moment I was talking to my parents about about Watchmen. They haven't watched it. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, like, you guys might like it. I don't know. Like, it's kind of weird, and it's sort of like, you know, there's a lot of stuff in episode one, you know, that you're not really sure what it means at all, but you know by episode 10 it's going to be clear, and, like, it'll make sense. Yeah. And my mom was like, oh, yeah, kind of like Lost. <laughs> I was like, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> actually, exactly like Lost. <laughs> boom nailed it <laughs> nailed it and there you go uh, nice all right
0: so that's watchman my number two and mike's number one and now my number one show of 2019 if you pick uh, fraser
1: i swear to god
0: <laughs> the first half of fraser season two it's fucking brilliant guys i'm telling you <laughs> I was actually really upset because I didn't make it to um, I, there's an episode in season two where um, Ted Danson shows up as Sam from Cheers and I haven't made it to that one yet and now it's not on Netflix anymore and I'm really I'm really mad about you'll it you'll never know <laughs> no I'll never know what happens I want, to, I want to know what's going on in Sam's life you know I miss Cheers a lot <laughs> Cheers is really good everybody should go watch Cheers forget whatever my number one is no <laughs> uh, no number one is another HBO show uh, it's a comedy uh, the final season of one of the best uh, TV comedies of all time I think uh, Veep Season
5: seven. Okay, so I think we know why we are here. Yes, ma'am.
14: Yes, we do. I don't know why we are here. Me
5: neither, but I love meeting
9: new people. She is offering you vice president, you monument to vaginal dryness. Well then, no. I'm sorry?
14: I said no, as in never. I will be president or I will be nothing, and in fact,
0: if I don't get the nomination, I might run as a third party just to fuck your shit up. You shut
8: the fuck up! You gum-resist-face-anus! Don't you see? You've just been offered the second most powerful job in the world! No,
14: you shut up, Uncle Jep.
0: I will not let anyone speak to me like that.
6: President or nothing! Yeah! What do you mean? You, you cockless cockaroah. I'm giving you the chance. I'm giving you the chance to remember you're something like other than this.
4: Oh, I will make a nap with my car like I did in kindergarten. Court. Figure out and and what that is with purpose you and repetition. Okay, fine. Jesus fucking Christ. I'll be vice president. Just stop yelling at
0: me.
8: Christ, is now a No, I have one condition.
0: Oh, shit. Which aired back around the time Game of Thrones was ending, so people didn't give it as much attention. Right really really great uh you know when veep first began um it felt like a very heightened satire of you know the modern political landscape and then as time went on it just felt like no this is what happens you yeah. know, it, it felt like okay this doesn't feel like as heightened anymore this just feels like real life now to the point where it was like terrifying uh and i think you know season six of veep i think is probably the weakest of the show it's it's pretty good but not as good as it was like at, at its best um but season seven completely reinvigorated things. I mean, it's the final season and it hit hard. I think we live in an age that is essentially beyond satire. Um, You know, you have every late night host, whatever, making Trump jokes, but very few of those jokes, I think are actually that funny. Uh, The final season of Veep takes everything we've been dealing with in the modern age from like rigged elections and blackmail from foreign powers and anti-vaxxers and mass shootings and politically motivated racism and hate crimes. And it goes for all that mercilessly, uh, ultimately ending with one of the most brutal and nihilistic finales I've ever seen a show have. Uh, Veep, I think, has always been like essential comedy, but the final season feels like the first real example of great satire in the Donald Trump era. Uh, and it all did, and it did it all without Alec Baldwin making squinty eyes at the camera. So, like, a plus. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: is, is uh, wasn't the showrunner Michael Ianucci? Is he gone? Is he back?
0: Uh, Armando Iannucci, who no, he didn't Armando, come, he did not. He did not come back. He left after season four, um, and then the show. Oh, ended, wow, and yeah, he left after season four, and I was really worried when he left back then because I was like, oh man, the show is just yeah. so sharply written and things like that, and who knows how things are going to go. And then season five came out. Uh, David Mandel took over, who used to work on Seinfeld. Um, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you know, when season five came out, it was like the best season of the show. It was incredible. <laughs> it was like, wow. I, I was shocked at how good season five was. Uh, and then season six was a little bit like kind of just doing the same thing over again. Uh, but then season seven, man, I mean, just so, so good. Uh, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, she lost the Emmy this year um, for the first time playing this character ever, uh, which <laughs> was, wow. was very disappointing. Because I would have liked to see a clean sweep, like seven Emmys for seven years of EP. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh but she deserved every single one of those Emmys, and she probably deserved one for this year too. I think um although I think Phoebe Waller Bridge won this year for Fleabag, which I've heard is really good. So but again, haven't watched it. Haven't had the time. <laughs> haven't had the time <laughs> to watch this like eight-episode, half-hour show. I said not, not yeah. time. Ain't but, nobody got time for that. Yeah, but uh but Julie louis Dreyfus, absolutely one of the great TV performances of all time, and Veep, I think, one of the most essential comedies of the 2010s, and uh, I was sad to see it go. I mean, a few of my favorite shows ended in 2019. Silicon Valley also ended, which was good, but it wasn't like, you know, it's still on the level that Veep was operating at. Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. Veep season seven, my number one show of 2019. And I will will throw a disclaimer, which is that I haven't gotten around to watching the first half of BoJack Horseman's final season yet, uh, which... If you've listened to this podcast over the years, uh, Bojack Horseman has topped my list a couple of times (laughs) because that show is the best, probably the best show on TV. Uh, and the first half of the final season came out in like December or November or whatever. And the second half comes out in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I, I wanted to watch the first half when it came out and then didn't get around to it. And then I was like, well, I'll just do it. I'll just wait until like the week before the second half and just kind of do it then. Um, so Bojack Horseman did not make my top three this year only because I haven't watched that season yet, but come t- come around next year. And I'm sure it'll be number one again, probably. Uh, any, uh- on a
1: technicality. It didn't make it
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, any honorable mentions you want to throw out there for TV, Mike?
1: Um, yeah, his dark materials, uh, the Mandalorian and the witcher were like kind of all interchangeable for number three for me. Okay. Uh, but just my, you know, my personal preference for witcher stuff got that slotted in there for me.
3: Nice.
1: Um, I mean, and they're all just kind of like fun adventure stuff. Uh, Mandalorian, I think, uh, is pretty great. I, I do agree with you that I that I sort of wish The Witcher had been once a week now. I'm kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know, it's tough. I don't yeah. want to say I'm over the binge thing because I do enjoy being able to just like set aside a weekend and watch a whole show. Yeah. But uh, them, the Mandalorian being half an hour, I think, is what like saved it for me. Yeah. Being, like it's a half hour long. They're once a week. It's not a huge commitment. Uh, Baby Yoda is the gift from God um, it'll it's the, the single greatest marketing thing that's ever happened to Disney I think yeah and, and, <laughs> or in, in the modern era
0: yeah and a better Star Wars finale than the other one that we got this year so there was <laughs>
1: so yeah there was... yeah
3: exactly uh,
0: yeah um, no, I, I really enjoyed the Mandalorian too and I think you're right I mean the, the weekly half hour thing and it's mostly just standalone adventures too uh, I, was, yeah. I, I was so on board I was I was expecting the Mandalorian to be because they're putting so much money into it. Uh, I was expecting it to be this big, expansive, like, Game of Thrones-esque, like, high-concept kind of show, uh, and it's decidedly not that. It's just a very pulpy space western, and I'm loving that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so much fun. And, you know, it's, it's a little clunky in spots, I and mean, the first episode's a little rough at the beginning. I think, like, episode five, where they go back to Tatooine, is not great. Um, but, like, for the most yeah. part, for the most part, good show. Like, really fun. And, you know, it's fun Star Wars-y things. Uh, so even, the, even though the Rise of Skywalker may have disappointed a lot of people, and I actually, I... You know, I, I kept saying, like, you know, after our conversation, maybe I was talked back into it a little bit. <laughs> you know, and I, I still have a lot of problems with the movie. And I thought to myself, like, you know what? I'm going to go back and see Roscoe Skywalker again at some point. Haven't done it yet. I I, I have no – there's a new Star Wars movie out in theaters. I have no desire to go back to the theater and watch it. That's a problem. I, th- <laughs> I think That's
3: sad,
1: yeah.
0: It's very sad. But luckily, The Mandalorian is very good. People should watch that. And I just started playing Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order uh, yesterday.
1: Oh, me too, actually. Oh, did you?
0: Nice. Uh, <laughs> Did you also think that the opening like train thing was ripped straight out of Uncharted Two? um because yep 100 okay. straight yeah. up
1: it's the exact <laughs> opening as uncharted it, it was
0: the exact same thing i was like i can't believe how callously they're ripping this off it's fun but <laughs> i'm like because hey like uh, i said this to um our, our buddy kyle music supervisor for the show uh you know uncharted plus lightsabers that's like my winning combo right there that's great <laughs>
1: i'm in yeah
0: um but yeah so mandalorian's good uh, i wanted to throw out there a better thing season three great show uh superstore my beloved superstore um <laughs> <laughs> which i started watching i think it was earlier this year actually i started watching superstore for the first time um yeah it was, it was like early 2019 or maybe late 20, 2018 or whatever um but i kind of like plowed through superstore in a month which is something i never do anymore um and it was just such a good show and so the back half of season four the first half of season five still great um the good place uh which is ending very soon um the last like four episodes of season four uh which is its final season are going to air over the next few weeks uh, and then finally, uh, Barry season two, which I have not finished. Uh, otherwise it would probably make my top three. <laughs> uh, I'm like halfway through Barry season two and it's really good. Uh, I haven't gotten around to finishing it. Um, but yeah, otherwise those are my honorable mentions for TV. And then I think that about wraps up with our TV thoughts, right, Mike?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's all the things.
0: All right. That's all the things that aired on TV in 2019. Never let <laughs> anyone it. tell you that there was another TV show because there was not. <laughs> Marvelous Mrs. <laughs> Maisel. I don't know what that is. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I
1: hardly knew her
0: <laughs> yep uh, alright now that wraps up the TV section of the podcast uh, let's move on into our top 10 movies of 2019 this is the main event Mike we're going to do that uh, and we're going to do that by playing into uh, Do Dilly Do A Friend Like You from Missing
5: Link oh, but I'm not too sure what I'm always searching for but I'm searching each day till the day gets late and I wake up on the floor buddy well, just where that river flows Yeah, all I see that's guiding me Is the fuzz on the end of my nose Oh, but I believe in destiny Or whatever it is that brought a friend like you to me So we say
0: that was uh the song from missing link do dilly do a friend like you which if you haven't watched the movie pretty good movie great song like i i remember sitting down <laughs> sitting in the theater watching those end credits and being just kind of jamming along and being like man this is great this is a delightful little uh, romp of a song so uh yeah that's
1: uh,
0: it's not gonna get nominated for best original song at the oscars but it absolutely should it's great uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> extra extra half star on letterboxd just for the song
0: genuinely yes uh <laughs> All right, so our top 10 movies of 2019, Mike, this is it. This is the big leagues, the main event. Uh, we've each got 10 movies that we selected because that's how it works. I do not know what you mm-hmm. picked on your list. You do not know what I picked on my list. Uh, so there could be a lot of overlap or they could be completely different. We don't know. That's the fun. Uh, so,
1: we're <laughs> yeah, getting oh, wacky.
0: Yeah, it's getting crazy over here. Uh, so, Mike, we're going to begin with you. What's your number 10 movie of 2019?
1: My number 10 movie is a little tongue-in-cheek, but also earnest that I I did really enjoy this movie, although it gets a little bit of a bump for one of our friends being in it, and that is Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. There you go.
14: May I ask you a question? Sure, ask away. You have been saying that this is all going to end
6: badly from the very beginning, over and over.
4: So, what made you so fucking sure of that?
8: How did you know everything in advance? You really wanna know? Yes! I wanna know, I
10: really wanna know! Okay. I uh, know because I've read the script. You
6: read the script?
14: The whole script?
12: All of it? Yeah, Jim gave me the whole script.
6: He only gave me
12: our scenes.
6: I never saw a complete script. After all, I've done for that guy,
8: and it's a lot that you don't even know about. What a dick.
0: Uh, i was also a big fan of the dead don't die did not make my list uh which is unfortunate because it's, it, it is really really great and like you mentioned our buddy vin craig uh friend of the show i think the most frequent guest on the show um it's like it's <laughs> he just won't go away he just will not leave uh he uh, he, <laughs> he appears as a background extra in the dead don't die um in the diner uh behind danny glover he's like scarfing down some breakfast uh and it's and i received, yeah. i saw that in theaters and like you know, here in Missoula, Montana, and I was a packed theater, and I was like freaking out, like, "Oh my god, that's my friend Vin!" And nobody cared, nobody. Cared. <laughs> but it was still nuts. nobody gives a shit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a a just outrageous uh, zombie comedy uh, starring Adam Driver and Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Steve Buscemi. There's like 18 million people in this movie. I don't. Yep. I don't we don't have time to uh, <laughs> to list all of them, and it is just so fucking weird. And it's that Jarmusch touch. Uh, and I know I did see a lot of people kind of saying like, mm, this is a little bit late to be having a movie that's just like a zombie spoof uh, in the in the kind of zombie cultural monolith of zombies uh, <laughs> yes. kind of thing. Uh, and like, yeah, that's valid. That's fair.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, and it's just but it's just so weird and offbeat. And the, the comedy really connected with me. And I just thought it was a lot of fun. And. Like I remember, I saw that with uh, Sam, friend of the show, yep. and uh, he was like, "I don't understand what that was," and I was like, "I fucking loved it, dude!" Like, <laughs> so it's just one of those things. So yeah, number, that's number ten for me. The Dead Don't Die.
0: Yeah, I, I also really enjoyed The Dead Don't Die. Very funny movie, uh, and that's the one I feel like that's the one I feel like the most. Where people, where people I know who have seen it have been like, "Yeah, I didn't like that movie," and I was like, "Yeah, but I loved it." <laughs> like, like it's just it wish exactly. I had the same experience as you. It's like every time somebody has come up to me and been like, "Hey, The Dead Don't Die," I was like i mean because that happens to me every day you know uh yeah you know <laughs> i'm flocking down people in the street who are like <laughs> trying to like tear me down Be like hey did you like the dead don't die and i'm like i did and they're like what <laughs> um, but yeah it's
1: got such a great cultural impact you know <laughs>
0: it really does it really does no it, it's a really fun movie also like like we mentioned uh, Vin was in it. it was shot right near my hometown in new york so that's pretty cool too um but yeah and also just a delightfully meta movie um as well yes like to the point of like insane like where i couldn't believe some of the stuff that was happening it felt like a weird like deadpan mel brooks uh <laughs> type movie by the end <laughs> uh it's pretty great
1: almost yeah
0: yeah uh, but all right so that's the, the dead don't die your number 10 pick of the year uh and my number 10 is the best dc movie that was released this year <laughs> forget joker mike we're not talking about joker we're talking about mother. We're talking about motherfucking
8: Shazam.
15: <laughs> I don't know about this. I mean, we don't have a fake ID. Freddy, Freddy, wh- wh- would you relax? Look at me. I am the fake ID. <laughs> Everything
8: from the register. Go, go, now! Ah, come on, ah, we ah, time. Let's go. Ah, we want it all. Hurry! This is your chance. Oh, I know. come on, come on, come on! Let's do this. That's it, that's it.
15: Gentlemen, why use guns when we can handle this like real men? Benny, look out! (laughs) Bullet
13: immunity. You have bullet immunity!
8: Bulletproof?
13: (laughs) Today is December 8th, and this is video proof of authenticity. Shoot him again!
15: Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. here, go both of you! Come on, go to town!
13: Wait wait wait, 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 wait! We still don't know if the suit is bulletproof or if you are. Shoot him in the face!
8: Shoot me in the face!
15: In the face!
4: It kind of tickles.
15: you're dead sorry about your window you're welcome for not getting robbed (laughs) with an
1: exclamation point
0: oh yeah you gotta shout the word Shazam when you say the title Shazam that's how it works Uh, I loved Uh loved Shazam this is uh, directed by David F. Sandberg who made uh, Lights Out uh, and Annabelle 2, and, and then made this movie. Uh, I feel like this is the DC movie we should be talking about this year. Uh, scratch that. This is the superhero movie we should be talking about this year, like, period. I like this more than Avengers Endgame uh, and every Marvel movie that came out this year. I think this is, like, up there with the best stuff Marvel has made, uh, and I think it's the best DC movie since The Dark Knight. It is so good. I actually just rewatched it uh, the other night. Still kicks ass. It still is a light. Uh, I, I bought it on Blu ray nice. uh, during Black Friday. Um, but there are a lot of movies, I think, that try so hard to capture that feeling of like the 80s amblin adventure movies. Uh, and I think so few of them actually succeed in doing that. Shazam does. Uh, and I think Sandberg's background in horror helps give this movie the edge that uh, most kids' films just don't have anymore. I mean, there's scenes where, like, I was watching it again, I was like, man. You, you really do watch that guy uh, get his head bitten off by the giant gargoyle that happens it's <laughs> it's pretty great <laughs> um, yep that's for real yeah uh and the way it's focused is squarely on a kid from a broken home um just makes it fit right in with what spielberg was doing way back in the 80s too um it's both a delightful superhero movie and a wonderful coming of age story about a kid learning to love his new family uh and i think it goes for broke in everything it does i mean uh, i'm trying not to go into spoilers here but like when the ending of this movie happened and like this big thing Uh. happened i couldn't believe i was watching it i couldn't believe i was seeing that like i I didn't know that this was a concept that existed in the comics so it like completely took me by surprise uh and when i realized they were doing what they were about to do i like audibly gasped in the theater i was like no way there's no way they're they're doing that and they did And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, you save that for the sequel. You know, you don't do that in your first Shazam movie, but you did it here. And now it's going to completely radically change whatever Shazam 2 is going to be, which has already been dated for 2022. Uh, I can't wait. I'm very excited for that sequel. But the Shazam, the original, uh, very, very good movie. My favorite superhero movie of the year. Uh, and that is my number 10 pick for 2019.
1: That's pretty funny. I was about to balk at your, your statement that it was better than Avengers, Mike. <laughs> Uh, and then I remembered Shazam's My Number Nine movie. So. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So does that mean does that mean it beat out Avengers for you? I'm I'm curious I, I feel like that's a minority opinion. It
1: it did beat out Avengers for me on my list, Mike.
0: Really? Wait. So so neither of us have Avengers Endgame on our list. Correct. Whoa. <laughs> I. Uh... I did not see that one coming. I got to be honest. I figured Avengers Endgame would be high on your list. Uh, I I was I was pretty shocked by that, uh, by you just saying that right now. But uh, <laughs> but all right. So uh, Shazam beat out Avengers Endgame for you. Why is Shazam your number nine?
1: Uh, I think like you said, it's just that that fun adventure story that I love so much. It's like that 80s Amblin vibe like you talked about. Um, it's just, it's just a good movie all, all the way through. It's not, it's, it's, how long is that movie? It can't be, uh, is a, it even two hours?
0: Probably. Uh, I think it's like 110 minutes, like a little less than two
1: hours, you know, something like that. Oh, just, mwah, mwah, I need more of that <laughs> in my life. Give me the shopping mall cut of every movie. Come on. Uh, yeah. And just, I, I don't think I even really realized that the, uh, that David Sandberg came from a horror we must have talked about it when we when we reviewed Shazam. I'm sure we but did, but that it yeah. came from a horror background and that makes a it makes a lot of sense. Uh yeah. there's some really dark shit going on in this movie.
3: Yeah.
1: We got our our man uh, Mark Strong just eating chewing the scenery and it's great. Yeah. Killing it. Killing it. Yeah, it's just fun. It's just fun. I saw that scene again recently. I don't know if it must have been on HBO when they realize they can buy beer when he's Shazam and yeah. the, like that whole like the, the they get the store gets held up and like he throws them <laughs> through the window and that whole scene is just it's just so perfect. It's just yeah. a good goof, you know? It's a delight. And that's what we need. Shazam.
0: <laughs> it really yeah. is. You know, now that, I mean, Avengers Endgame came out this year, one of the hugest movies of the year. I'm actually shocked that you didn't put it on your top ten, because you were so effusive about it when we talked about it back uh, in May or in April or whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, I think you, you, said, you listed it as your favorite MCU movie of all time uh, when we counted down our top five MCU I movies. I did. Uh, do, do you walk that back, or is it still your number one?
1: No, it's still my number one, but okay. I just felt like there was more important cinema.
0: Okay. No. <laughs> like Shazam. Uh, so like saying, Shazam. So you're exactly. saying Like Shazam, exactly. So if Avengers Endgame is your number 1 MCU movie of all time, Shazam is better than every movie that Marvel <laughs> Studios has ever made. This is what you're you're saying, right? This is this is the gauntlet you're throwing down.
1: Don't don't think too much into it. Mike. That's, <laughs> no, that's my story and I'm sticking to it.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad we're Shazam
1: under- better than the entire MCU. <laughs>
0: Uh, cause I, cause I'm, I'm, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I mean, I, I would probably say that like Guardians of the Galaxy Two is better than Shazam, because <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Two is pretty great. But Shazam, though, man, it's it's really, really good. A really fun man. DC movie. Good stuff. I think that DC is really turning a corner uh, over the last couple of years. I wasn't the biggest fan of Aquaman, and I thought, Aqu- and I thought Wonder Woman was just pretty good. But uh, Shazam was so great, and Joker, even if you didn't like it, was such a huge departure from what DC has been doing, and from what any studio has been doing um, with superhero movies recently, that I'm just really excited to see um, what DC has on the horizon. I feel like they're they have a much more unpredictable slate than what Marvel's going to come out with, which I'm sure will be good um but like i'm also sure they'll be good you know it's one of those things where it's like i i know what to expect right. from black widow and the eternals and all that stuff um but like i don't know what to expect from birds of prey i think it looks like a blast um but it could be a disaster who knows that's the fun uh <laughs> or like what's exciting 2, yeah wonder woman 2 or like Bat- the batman with robert pattinson which that's gonna be awesome i'm throwing that down right now it's gonna be great <laughs> so yeah shazam i think is the first of like what i think what will hopefully be many pretty awesome great dc movies but uh yeah that's shazam my number 10 your number nine movie of the year hopefully there's a little less overlap moving from this <laughs> from this point forward but we'll see <laughs> uh my number nine movie of the year actually this one's definitely gonna be on your list but uh <laughs> so never mind uh my my number nine movie of the year is the new movie from director ari aster and that is midsummer
9: has anyone seen
11: Connie?
10: i think mark's on her
1: I'm sure I saw her trying out for the sprinting Olympics earlier. What? Where? Sorry, but I can say what happened. Her boyfriend called the landline from the train station and calmed Connie
11: down. And she begged our pardon and I drove her to meet him. Okay. That's really.
16: Why would Simon leave without her?
6: I'm sure it was just a miscommunication.
9: I see you possibly doing that.
6: The hell does that mean?
0: Which, this is maybe nice. the movie that. Improved the most for me the more I sat with it. You know, I liked it a lot when I when we first saw it, uh, and I think in my review I was like, yeah, this is probably like I feel like this one I'm gonna sit with for a while. Like it's one that I left the theater being like, yeah, it was good. I liked it a lot, and then I just didn't stop thinking about it for a couple of weeks. Like, <laughs> uh, so I ex- mm-hmm. I expected it would kind of drop down my list as more movies came in, but. I had the opposite reaction. Like as more as I saw more m- movies, I kept asking myself, "I like this, but do I like it as much as Midsummer?" Uh, you know, is always a good sign <laughs> for Midsummer. And you know, it's Aster following up Hereditary, um, which I think is a masterpiece. And you know, that was Hereditary was both of our favorite movie of last year as well as t- of twenty eighteen. Um, yes, and this is the follow up to that, uh, and this is a movie that is on the surface, I think, very different from Hereditary. Um, but at the same time, thematically, they feel completely connected. Uh, and I saw Florence Pugh earlier in the year with Fighting for My Family, um, but this is where it really connected and was like, okay, Florence Pugh's the best. Uh, <laughs> and then um, I'm not
1: sure if you... <laughs> Protect her at all costs. Yeah,
0: and I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, but she's also in uh, Little Women, uh, for what it's worth. She's amazing in it. Like I think she's even better in that movie. And this movie is just like nice. a nonstop... It, it, it's it, this movie's not a nonstop terror ride like um, *Hereditary* is. It's more like a, um, an atmospheric thing, um, and which *Hereditary* was too, but mm-hmm. this is one even more so. But it's unsettling the entire way through, often very, very funny, um, and I would say definitely go with the director's cut if you have the option for, to do so, um, which I think right now is only available on like Apple TV. Nice, um, but I'm sure in like a year it'll be put out on Blu-ray or something like that. So, uh, *Midsummer* is my number nine movie of the year. And I'm not going to okay. ask you what you think of the movie, Mike, because I'm guessing it might come up on your list at some point.
1: <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> but I do want to point out, I think it's uh, Randy Havens or something is his name. The, the, the guy that's like the teacher in Stranger Things, uh, you know, like the science teacher guy.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, he's been tweeting all year uh, about Midsummer and how it's his favorite movie of all time and all this like, you know, kind of like goofing it up about Midsummer. Really. And then <laughs> he saw Little Women. And uh, tweeted a thing that Little Women is now numbers 1 through 10 on his top 10 list of the year and is number 11. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was funny.
0: That's fair. That's how good Little Women is.
1: Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah, So I haven't gotten to see that yet, but I want to.
0: All right. Uh, Okay, Mike, what's your number eight movie of 2019?
1: Keeping with the theme of uh, breakout horror directors following up uh, with their second movies this year in 2019, my number eight movie is uh, Robert Eggers' new movie, The Lighthouse.
8: Let Neptune strike ye dead, Winslow! Hark! Hark, Triton! Hark! Bello, bid our father, the Sea King, rise from the depths full, foul in his fury, black waves teeming with salt foam to smother this young mouth with punch and slime. To joke ye, engorging your organs, till ye turn blue and bloated with bilge and brine, and can scream no more. Only when he, crowned in cockle shells, with slithering tentacled tail and steaming beard, take up his fell befinned arm. His coral-tying trident screeches banshee-like in the tempest and plunges right through your gullet. Bursting ye! A bulging bladder no more, but a blasted bloody film now a nothing for the RPs and the souls of dead sailors to pick and claw and feed upon, only to be lapped up and swallowed by the infinite waters of the dread Emperor himself, forgotten to any man, to any time, forgotten to any god or devil, forgotten even to the sea, for any stuff or part of Winslow, even any scantling of your soul, is Winslow no more, but is now itself the sea
1: yeah i got the chance to see it uh th- by my means which is unfortunate but uh <laughs> sometimes you got to do what you got to do and i definitely yeah. want to buy it as soon as it's available on blu-ray and yeah this is just fucking just what is this movie mike this is uh <laughs> defoe and uh, <laughs> robert pattinson are two lighthouse keepers in the indeterminate time uh, like 1880s or some shit like that something I think. like
0: that i think the 1800s uh, robert eggers is like allergic to making a movie that's not like in a ridiculously old time with a weird dialect oh yeah <laughs> it's, it's got to which... have some yeah.
1: incomprehensible <laughs> and yeah it's black and white and there's this uh, the whole production from this movie it's shot on film in black and white in this insane aspect ratio that i don't even know what it actually is it's like almost perfectly square yeah uh, it's bizarre Uh, And it's just, it's just atmospheric, uh, like, look up the definition of atmospheric in the dictionary, it's this movie, basically. (laughs) Uh, um, It is just the slow descent into madness of two isolated men uh, and their traumas, and um, it's the most Lovecraftian movie of all time, without ever, like, being Lovecraftian, if that makes sense, Uh, like, ever acknowledging that. And the performances are—it's basically just the two of them the whole entire movie. Uh, there's some other people, uh, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> that appear in the in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad I got the chance to see this movie. And uh, you know, I wish I wish it could have been higher, but um, there was just some some stuff, uh, you know, that I was like, mm, maybe not. But still, number eight on the list for me. Yeah. And um, I'm very excited for more Robert Eggers. I think he wants to do Nosferatu
0: or some crazy shit. He was definitely uh, attached which, to like, Nosferatu. Yeah, sure, at some man. Point. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he still is, but he was definitely attached to Nosferatu, um, for a while.
1: I think I remember he was on, um, Shockwaves, and he said that, like, he was going to use the, the, like, you know, the cachet he got from the witch, the goodwill... Um, to make this movie first, because he knew that if Nosferatu didn't do great, he'd never get a chance to make this movie. So he was like, fuck it. Nice. Um, which, like, hey, that's pretty shrewd filmmaking. Yeah. Good job. Smart
0: move. Smart <laughs> move on his part. Yeah, The Lighthouse is really good. Yeah. Uh, did not make my top ten, but it is a very, very good movie. And uh, Willem Dafoe, maybe my favorite performance of the year um, in this movie. I mean, he is incredible. Uh, like Pattinson's great, too, but Dafoe is, like, on have just had...
1: level. I've just had that thing that was in the trailers. They're like, why'd you spill your beans uh, <laughs> on repeat in my brain <laughs> since I've seen this movie? Nice. So it's been an interesting few days.
0: Yes, <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so that's The Lighthouse. And that is Mike's number eight movie of 2019. All right. And now it's time for my number eight movie of uh, 2019. And uh, I will say this was the biggest surprise of the year for me. I basically heard nothing about this movie. Uh, and had not seen a frame of it when I sat down in the theater I hadn't seen any trailers or anything uh, and that is
1: you were unsullied I
0: was unsullied for this movie Mike which nice. never happens that never happens for me uh, so yeah this movie uh, was my number 8 and it is uh, the new movie from director Todd Haynes Dark Waters they just say
8: what they done you're right they should
7: and, and it kills me that they won't but that would mean going to trial and proving that C8 killed your cows and every scientist who knows anything about any of this already works for these chemical companies. That's not an accident, Earl. Earl, these these companies, they have all the money, all the time, and they'll use it, trust me. I know,
15: I was one of them.
14: You're still one of them.
15: You, you can't be serious. Wow.
8: Yeah,
0: which all I knew going into this movie... Uh, was that it was a legal thriller based on true events, starring Mark Ruffalo, and that's pretty much it. Uh, turned out to be one of the most vital movies I saw this year, um, to the point where it's like ridiculous that it's not getting recognized for awards season. Like it's the, like it, nobody's yeah. talking about this movie, but it's it is to me like the big snub of the year. <laughs> it's actually nuts. Wow. Um, but anyway, Mark Ruffalo plays the lawyer who was involved in the twenty-year legal battle against Dupont. Um, who exposes the fact that they've been essentially poisoning about 99% of all humans in the world uh, for decades now. Um, nice. It's a story that I vaguely knew for having been around when it was happening, like just seeing it on the news and stuff. Um, but this makes it feel real and made me want to throw away all of my pots and pans, basically. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it's really, really great. I mean, Mark is very good in the movie. Anne Hathaway um, is his wife, and she kind of makes the most of that role. It's, it's one of those, like, thankless, you know, wife-type roles. Um, yeah. But, you know the rest of the movie like uh, she makes and she has one really good scene towards the end too uh, but Bill Camp um, who is the guy who hires Mark Rothelow to look into Pont, um, he's incredible like, I think giving one of the best performances of the year hands down he's awesome uh, and uh, as David Erlich put it in his review it's a really excellent entry in the they knew genre of movies <laughs> you know or the kind of movie where like somebody's like you know, uncovering a vast conspiracy and it's like but they knew all along that what they were doing was bad and all that stuff it's, it's one of those movies and it feels like you know it, this in the hands of a lesser director this could be a very basic. Legal thriller, I guess. You know, something that like yeah, you, know, right. you just see, it, it's like a two a two point five out of five. You would catch it on TNT one day or whatever. Um, but Todd <laughs> Haynes, who is, is the filmmaker behind Carol, um, which came out a few years back with the uh, Cate Blanchett and Rudy Mara, great movie. Um, he just the visual eye that he brings to this movie it's it's really compelling and it looks great. Like again, it's it's not a flashy movie by any means, uh, but I think it is one of the best shot movies of the year, and it's just so exciting and dynamic, and it's and it really like by the end of it, I was like, man. The world sucks. The world is just the world is just bad. Uh,
1: <laughs> just fuck, man.
0: Uh, so that is Dark Waters, really great movie, and again, biggest surprise of the year for me. Had known basically nothing about it going in. I don't even know why I went to go see it. Genuinely, like I, I think uh, I had nothing to do on a Saturday afternoon, and I saw that it was playing at AMC, and I had the Stubbs a list, so I get in for free, and I was like, well, I I saw that it had like a eighty or whatever on Rotten Tomatoes, probably good. Let's I'll go check it out. Ends up being great. So yeah, Dark Waters. uh, That's the movie uh, that I wanted to talk about there. And uh, I'm guessing you haven't seen it yet.
1: No. Uh, I saw the trailer for it, and it looked incredible. Like, I forget what movie it was before, but I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Where did this come from? Right. Uh, Because like you said, I'd never heard of it. And it looked in, interesting and incredible, and uh, I guess I'm going to have to keep an eye out for when it comes out on home video or, or streaming or something and get a chance to watch it. Yeah, totally.
0: Uh, but yeah, that is Dark Waters, my number eight movie of the year. So, Mike, let's move on to your number seven.
1: My number seven movie I feel like is a hot take to have this at number seven.
3: I'm very excited, uh,
1: Don't get mad at me, Mike, because Joker. my number seven your is... number seven
3: is Joker. <laughs> is Joker. <laughs> uh,
1: I, was, I was the Joker all along. You were right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Your, your devastating review of the movie was just a ruse. <laughs> so when it showed up on your top ten list, you would you throw your smoke bomb and be like, Ah, the
1: Joker! <laughs> <laughs> you got what you deserve. Blow! <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, my number seven is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Mike. Okay. Uh, so, Johnny, what else you
6: heard? Hmm? I heard you pushing Lancer pretty hard. Lancer's got money. At some point, he's gonna hire some guns and push back. Line, line, line,
5: line, line.
6: Maybe he
4: already has. <clears throat> Maybe God Damn it! I fucked this whole thing. Up, Sam, I need to fuck this whole thing up, that, just go back, please. Can we just cut? Can we just cut? No, really, just. No, really, really, Sam, please. God maybe, damn it. He all right. all right. maybe he already Maybe he already.
8: God damn it. All right, all right, all right.
3: Woo!
6: Goddamn outlaw, Rick. Come on now. <coughs> I got it. I got it. Go back a bit, would you?
3: No,
8: he's right. Back to one. <laughs> all uh-huh. I'm gonna use it. Oh, I'm gonna use it. I'ma put it all inside. Mm-hmm. Use it.
1: Uh, yes new quentin tarantino movie starring uh, leonardo dicaprio brad pitt uh it's a million people again in this movie yeah Uh, huge (laughs) cast huge uh, cast
0: characters in this movie most of them show up for like a scene or two and then are gone basically yeah
1: uh and this is this kind of you know 1969 hollywood brad pitt driving for two and a half hours uh and it's fucking great uh, Manson adjacent, well, no, not even adjacent, Manson murders Sharon Tate. Yep. Um, and why am I blanking on the actress that plays Sharon Tate? Margot, Robbie. A, Margot uh, Robbie. Margot Robbie. There we go. God damn. Yes. Margot Robbie, incredible as Sharon Tate. Um, yeah. And, and I feel like it put it at number seven, uh, on a list instead of number one, people might get grumpy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's still great. I still really love this movie.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, I just, you know, It didn't quite connect to me as much as some other people, like everyone I see, a lot of people in, you know, film Twitter, uh, quote unquote, being like, best movie of all time, kind of (laughs) level reaction. And like, for sure, like, I get it a bit, you know. Uh, It's the Tarantino goodness. It is indeed. People just, just people talking about movies, making movies, (laughs) and I love it. It's great. Uh, Yeah, go go listen to our episode about it, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we recorded an episode about it. Uh, And if you want a lot about Once Upon a Hollywood, uh, subscribe to the Pure Cinema Podcast, because they basically did... Six straight months of nothing but Once Upon a Hollywood episodes, uh, <laughs> yeah. which was great. I was a huge fan of that. I mean, they had Quentin Tarantino on the podcast, and um, they had Fred Raskin. Right. They had Fred Raskin, who was the editor of the movie on the podcast. They had one of the producers on the podcast. Uh, they just did a different episode with a, with a different critic just to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, they, they really went in depth, uh, which, I mean, obviously they're sponsored by the new Beverly Cinema, which Quentin Tarantino owns. Um, but yeah, it's a great podcast. Uh, I, I don't mean to plug somebody else's podcast, an hour podcast. <laughs>
1: they're still talking about it, honestly.
0: <laughs> they probably are still
1: on the on the new no on the new calendar episode. It's still on the calendar at the new, oh, page, yeah, so they're yeah. still talking about That's it.
0: That's true if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so there you go. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll save my once upon a Hollywood stuff because it may pop up later on my list Pot- potentially, uh, as as you might guess. Uh, <laughs> all right, and uh, my number seven of the year is a comedy movie that uh, I think is probably the most fun I had in the theater this year. Uh, it's a new movie directed by Harmony Corrine, uh who's the director of Spring Breakers. Uh, I am talking about The Beach Bum. Thank you for meeting with me
5: today. Man, my
2: pleasure. I don't remember the last time
5: I did one of these.
2: got an interesting life. How'd you pull it off? How'd you do it?
5: I only pull it off how I do it. <laughs> I mean, look, I could tell you that I've... Been trying to uncover the abyss beneath my illusory connection with the world. I could tell you that it's all written in the stars. I could tell you that I'm a reverse paranoid. And I'm quite certain that the world is conspiring to make me happy. All three of which are true, but it's really a little simpler than that. Man. I like that fun, man. Fun's the fucking gun, man. Well, I like boats, I like the water, I like the sunshine, I like beautiful women, a lot. And anyway, I get all these things going, man, they're all turning me on, my wires are connecting upstairs, and I start to hear music in my head, you know, and the world's reverberating back and forth, and I hit the frequency, and I start to dance to it, my fingers get moving, my head's getting soupy, I'm spinning all over the fucking place, and the fucking words come out.
7: It's like it's a fucking gift.
10: What makes you,
7: Moondog, different than all these other people?
5: Seriously? You mean the ones up north on the mainland? The ones racing to the red line? The ones stuck in their ways, a little bit too busy to check inside and say, Howdy, howdy, do. That shit's not for me, man. I mean, fuck, man. So many people trip themselves when they're running downhill. Life's hard enough. Why would you fucking want to do that? I mean, fuck, we're here to have a good time. I just want to have a good time. Until this shit's over, man. This life gig's a fucking rodeo. I'm gonna suck the nectar out of it and fuck a raw dog until the wheels come
0: off. Uh, wow. Matthew McConaughey. Fucking love
14: this burp. <laughs> it fits. <laughs> that, that, was, it that was a
0: fitting burp for the movie I'm about to describe. Um... <laughs> probably harmony corinne's most accessible film i think definitely his funniest i laughed so hard watching the beach bum in a packed theater um it's an insane movie genuinely fucking bonkers it's an all-time performance from Matthew mcconaughey um and he's given the ultimate mcconaughey performance like this is the role he's been building to his entire career um and it's, it's kind of amazing to watch uh and he he plays a once great uh writer who married into a rich family years ago and now spends his days getting drunk, getting high, having sex with everything, and that's it. That's the movie. That's the entire that's the entire film. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> for like an hour and a half or whatever, uh, and just the vibe of this movie is so much fun. It's a great stoner comedy. Uh, it's an, it's just an incredible ride. Martin Lawrence, Zac Efron, Snoop Dogg, Jonah Hill, all just giving insane performances uh, in this movie. Uh, Isla Fisher also incredible uh, as Matthew McConaughey's wife in the movie too, uh, and just so many quotable lines and stuff like that. And just like when the movie ended and you hear the um, the song playing over the credits called Moon Fog, um, which is performed by Jimmy Buffett and written by Snoop Dogg. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, I know. Uh, and then, like, the theater doors open, and, you, like, I don't think anybody was actually smoking in the theater, but you could feel, like, the, the smoke exhalation just, like, leaving
3: <laughs>
1: the theater
0: <laughs> as it happened. Like, just the, by virtue of it being this movie.
1: <laughs> um, Fair.
0: Uh, it's incredible. I really love the beach bone. I think it was hilarious uh, and... Uh, like I almost, I have my alternate Oscar picks that I'll be revealing, I guess next week when we, like, um, when we do our Oscars podcast, when we get talk about the nominations, I almost nominated Matthew McConaughey for best actor for, <laughs> for this movie. Wow. Uh, and ultimately I did not only because there was a lot of really great best actor performances this year. Um, and B, because it's a kind of like, he's amazing in it, but he is essentially playing himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that is The Beach Bum, and uh, if you want to watch it, it's available on Hulu right now, so uh, definitely worth, nice. worth checking out. Uh, did you get a chance to see The Beach Bum, Mike?
1: I did not, and I actually have never seen Spring Breakers, I don't think. Oh, really? So I'm, I'm, I'm lacking on the, the Harmony yeah, I uh, filmography. I am
0: a huge Spring Breakers fan, uh, and, that's one, yeah, and, know. and that's one that I've been defending for uh, for a very long time. Cause everybody everybody I know who's not into movies but has seen Spring Breakers hates Spring Breakers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you like the Dead Don't Die?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right, so that's the Beach Bum, my number seven of the year. Mike, what's your number six?
1: My number six is uh, the new Mike Flanagan joint, Dr. Sleep.
0: Ooh, nice.
11: Stop. I just got one question for you, sweetie.
5: Aren't you sleepy? You're sleepy.
3: sleep sleep wake up uncle dad wake up wake up wake up
1: Uh, uh, yes uh starring ewan mcgregor rebecca ferguson kylie curran uh i mean who would expect a 40 year 40 years later sequel to uh the shining one of the greatest movies not even horror movies greatest movies uh ever uh, to actually fucking rock. Right. <laughs> and Doctor, Doctor Sleep fucking rocks. It does. Yeah, we, we were big fans of that one, which, you know, it might be some recency bias, maybe a little bit, that was, came out in, what, November, I think? Uh, yeah, the, um, the very
0: early November, just missed the Halloween window, which was uh, a really dumb just movie. pretty strange.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, following Danny Torrance, played by uh, Ewan McGregor as he's an adult now, and the trauma that he experienced, and what that effect has on his life, Yep. Uh, you know, as a kid, um just really diving into what the shining like what having that ability means and what that can do and just expanding that world so much in the coolest fucking ways <laughs> uh was it rose of the hat i think is is uh rebecca ferguson's character's yes. name uh just terrifying like these like soul vampire people that like c- capture kids and torture them so that they will release their shine and then like inhale it or whatever the fuck Scary as hell, Jacob Tremblay, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> the kid Jacob they like Trimbley's... brutally murdered. Yeah, the kid who shows up for like five minutes just to get annihilated by these uh, <laughs> yeah, demon creatures. So he gets
1: slaughtered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, dude, and just it's so inventive and cool. And the we we talked up a lot the scene uh, where Abra, I think, is the is the little girl's character, uh, or that's the name uh, when she like sets the trap for them, and, right. and like what those abilities look like, and it's just so fucking cool
0: yeah yeah it's, it's that's, really awesome. that's dr sleep yeah that is dr sleep again another another great movie that did not make my list that's how good 2019 was mike there's like a million <laughs> yeah what the fuck there's, there's a million great movies that like didn't even make my honorable mentions that i'm just like man that was a great movie dr sleep awesome <laughs> movie love mike flanagan uh and it is like how like a sequel to the shining like it's one of those things where it's like uh, like watchmen just like one of those like thankless propositions yeah. uh and mike flanagan managed to do it and not only do it but merge the worlds of kubrick and king into a cohesive whole uh, which is a pretty incredible feat on its own. Uh, also, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson, one of my other favorite performances of the year. Um, she is yeah. insane in Doctor Sleep. Uh, she
1: needs to be in everything right now.
0: <laughs> I, I love her. <laughs> like I really liked her in the Mission Impossible movies, uh, and she popped up in a couple of movies this year. Uh, she was the villain in The Kid Whoopi King, and she was decent in that, and then she was like completely wasted in Men of in Black International. Uh, but then this movie like fully utilized her talents in a great way. So, uh, yeah, Doctor Sleep, Rebecca Ferguson uh for your consideration best supporting actress of the year (laughs) genuinely like uh for my alternate oscar picks she is my winner for best supporting actress she is great she's so good Uh, i love it but yeah that is a dr sleep mike's number six my number six uh is a movie that um feels like it was made for me specifically um it's a movie where elizabeth moss plays a 90s punk rock star like that's (laughs) like like, how much more of a mike thing could you be without spider-man in it you know Uh, (laughs) seriously uh, and this is the new movie uh, directed by Alex Ross Perry it is Her Smell two minutes till midnight hey you're actually suing me right or is that
9: somebody else I'm suing they'll see you in court judge your honor Mm -hmm. is it a crime in this
3: country
9: the witching hour, I was born with an internal clock. A doctor left it inside me. <laughs> I called to the stand my mother, Mrs. Anya Adamczyk. Mrs. Adamczyk! Do you swear solemnly that your daughter was born with a rare neurological condition that renders the passage of time an enforced illusion? From the external world?
0: Judge, please. I just can't seem to get going till later at night. You think I want to be late? Those people deserve a show.
2: (sighs) And you have no idea the hell that I've been through. I am wishing there was any way on earth I could get going, but I just don't think I will make it. Promise me, Mama, when I die, have the
9: coffin arrive half an hour late and on the side written in gold letters of the words. Sorry for the
0: delay. And her smell is awesome. It's essentially playing as five long scenes. Um, it takes you through five different stages in the life of Becky Something, a punk rocker who's emotionally and sometimes physically abusive to her friends and bandmates, uh, whose fame has gone to her head, and she's the most insufferable person in the, in the world to be around. Uh, like The first scene of the movie is like 30 minutes long, and it's just like, you know, her backstage at like a show at the height of her fame. And the second big scene of the movie is like them recording an album, and then there's like a third scene where it's like her hitting rock bottom, and the fourth scene is her... Um, it's very quiet, and it's just her kind of like having been recovering from her alcoholism for like a year, and then her fifth scene is like her comeback show, and it's just and it's just these long sequences, and it's so good. And the movie takes you on this journey through redemption, and you know, Alex Ross Perry has like really incredibly verbose dialogue <laughs> that he pairs with Elizabeth Moss, giving my favorite performance of the year. I think I mentioned Willem Dafoe, wow. I mentioned Beck Ferguson, Elizabeth Moss, her smell, the performance of the year to be, uh, plus the soundtrack absolutely killer uh, it's incredible i mean there's a lot of great just like made up punk songs for the movie uh and they sound exactly like those kind of punk songs that would come be coming out in the 90s uh and it really mm-hmm. captures the feeling of like that grungy backstage like i've been backstage at a bunch of like grungy clubs in the past and this captures that really <laughs> well nice. uh and it's a it's one that, like even though it's a very like emotionally taxing movie it's also one i can't wait to watch again because elizabeth moss is so fun to watch uh, and she like really captures the essence of that character and also the dialogue is just so like exciting it feels like sorkin-esque almost but even like different than that it's, it feels like its own thing uh so yeah her smell is my number six movie of the year and uh, i think it's on amazon prime now i want to say it's on some it's Ooh. on some streaming service now so definitely uh, worth checking out
1: Nice. I remember when you talked about that on your discussions, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I that sounds fucking awesome. I forgot all about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll definitely add that to the, the queue there for Amazon Prime or yeah. find wherever it is. Yeah, definitely. And take a look.
0: Please do. It's awesome. Uh, and Mike, what's your number five movie of 2019?
1: My number five movie, I'm noticing a trend. Uh, if you get horror comedy movies uh, with ensemble casts, I'm going to love them. Number five, Ready or Not. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> directed by Matt bettinelli Benin- Benin- Open? Got an interesting name there, <laughs> Tyler <laughs> Gillette, uh, styling, starring Samara Weaving. Whenever the Le Damasses are
6: presented with a new addition to the family, we place a blank playing card into the box.
8: Our initiate then has the privilege of drawing the card, and Mr. Le Bale will tell us which game to play.
9: I got chess.
7: I got Old Maid. Seriously, what the fuck is Old Maid? Fitch. (laughs) (laughs) So I just take out the card?
11: My dear, it is your turn. (laughs)
9: <laughs> what does it say girl
10: oh, it says hide and seek are we really gonna play that are okay
1: and this is who i i kept thinking samara weaving instead of margot robbie and i was like i know that's wrong yeah <laughs> that's later in the, in the thing <laughs> um but yeah, this is uh, a Weaving is a, a bride, uh or newlywed, uh, married into this large board gaming empire family. Yeah. Uh, and on their wedding night they have to play, as is tradition, a, a family game. And she draws hide and seek, and it turns into most dangerous game. Uh the family the board game <laughs> Empire family has to hunt down Samara Weaving, and she survives till dawn, she wins. Uh and it's just a great like tight horror comedy uh, just absolutely gory in the best over the top ways uh, just great. Fuck you, rich people. Movie, great. Just everything you, everything Mike Soup. You know, it's me. As much as her smell is the movie for you, ready or not is the, is the movie for me, Mike. Uh, and I forget what's the the. There's like a a, a group that made. Was it Radio Silence? I think? Uh, Radio
0: Silence. Yeah. Who um, directed and produced this movie? Um, I think they they had made a couple of movies before this. I think. Um, but I knew them from uh, VHS. They did short and that ah um, oh, right which was my favorite short from vhs actually when i saw it and i was like i didn't realize that they had made movies since then and then they came out with ready or not and i was like hey it's the guys who made that short from vhs i'm glad they're finally doing things and then i looked at the wikipedia and they had like three or four movies and i was like where was i <laughs> <laughs> wait
1: what the hell <laughs> uh they were radio silent about them i guess um but... <laughs> sorry hey bazinga <laughs> um <laughs> yeah yeah and then this was like a br- big smash uh breakout smash hit uh for them i think i just saw today samara it was announced samara weaving is in the new bill and ted's movie she's the one of their daughters yeah, or something. She, that was already
0: announced but they just released a picture of uh the daughter oh that was okay. yeah so uh, i'm very excited to see that because she is great in this movie and i feel like she would fit really well into the bill and ted averse you know so i'm yeah pretty excited for that you
1: could hear her pronounce words weird yes your favorite uh, I, can, thing. I can
0: hear, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah i can hear her say the word game but maybe with the california accent this time uh, <laughs> yeah
1: that's ready or not okay that's my favorite yeah. there you go
0: <laughs> yeah but. it's ready or not mike's number five again another movie that is very good did not make my top 10 uh so i'm, I'm glad that there's not that much uh, overlap in the list so far mike but uh, so far so, we'll see so far we'll see how it goes from here on out uh, my number five movie of the year is one that I'm actually pretty sure will not be on your list, uh, so I can, <laughs> I can be safe in that. Uh, it's a movie that I really loved, and Mike, you were pretty mixed on when we reviewed it, uh, and that is the new movie uh, directed by James Gray, Ad Astra.
11: Major, what can you tell us about the Lima Project?
10: First manned expedition to the outer solar system, sir. Some 29 years ago.
11: And the commander was?
10: He was my father, sir. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission, Uh, no data was ever recovered. Deep space missions were halted after that. Roy,
6: we have something that might come as quite a shock to you. We believe your father is still alive near Neptune. My father's
10: alive, sir?
0: Uh Yes, which I found to be a uh, profoundly moving experience. I think one of the most visually striking movies of 2019. Um, Sometimes it feels like it wants to be a Terrence Malick film uh, kind of ruminating on man's ability to commercialize beauty or analyzing the closed off emotions of a man without his father. And sometimes it feels like it wants to be Event Horizon. Um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, there's fucking pirates on the moon and there's space monkeys and all this crazy shit. Uh, and it all somehow works. I think thanks to James Gray's like very confident direction and use of color and Brad Pitt's great performance. Uh, I think he may be even better here than he is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, actually. Uh, and as it's also just kind of an extra thing. It's also one of the last major Fox releases um, left over after the Disney merger. Um Right. Like it's one of the, like, the last Fox originals that were kind of like acquired by Disney, uh, so it's likely we're going to see fewer big risks like this movie, uh, and so I kind of appreciated it for that, just being like, I don't know how often we're going to see a movie like Ad Astra again. I mean, granted, we see like a movie a year like Ad Astra, if that, at at this point, Yeah. Um, so with one less big studio in town, it's tougher to get these kind of movies made. Um, but I'm glad Ad Astra exists. James Gray, I think, knocked out of the park. I think it's the best movie from him that I've seen, uh, and I've seen a few of his movies. So uh, yeah, it's very, very good. Ad Astra, my number five movie of the year, and uh, one that I, nice. one that I don't expect will be on your list.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to make my list. But I think I do want to give it another shot at some point. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like it's not like one of those movies where you're just like, ah, fuck it, get out of here. <laughs> Um, you know, like there was a lot to think about, and there was a lot going on. I just don't think I connected with it, so I want to want to give it another shot. Yeah.
0: Was know? was Joker one of those movies where he went like, ah, fuck, get out
1: of here. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's, I, I like to picture you in the theater saying that audibly, like after, after the movie, ends, like, ah, fuck off, get out of here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cut to credits. <laughs> uh, you yeah. just hear me in the silence. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck off. With the hand wave, you got to do the hand wave for those uh, at home. Yeah.
0: We're... <laughs> i forgot this is an audio medium we're all do we're both doing a hand wave as we're yeah that really completes the picture i think <laughs> ah fuck off get out of here joker uh, exactly so mike your number four is joker uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep once again number four it was number five also number four no number seven what was it number seven, number seven. uh but no my number four uh is Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, I believe, yes. of Booksmart.
0: Oh, Booksmart. You're number four. Nice.
7: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What the fuck? What the fuck is this? You asked the questions. Oh, my God. Oh, shit, shit, shit. Is this some Manson family shit? What is this? No. No. Everything is going to be just fine. You're just going to give us the address to where you delivered some pizzas tonight. Oh my god, are you guys out of your fucking mind? How old are you, by the way? Does not matter! Okay, that voice did not make you sound older. So you're basically children, and you just willingly got in the car of a strange man. Do you guys have a weapon?
2: Yes. If we claim to have a weapon, this might be a felony. Fuck.
7: Okay, so you're using your hair as a mask and trying to rob someone with no weapon. Because the funny thing is, I actually have a weapon. <laughs> I keep that to protect myself from bad people. Something you guys should be thinking about. Did the did the possibility of sexual assault ever enter your minds? Not really. Yeah, not really. I can tell you were spending more time on like the hair, and that that whole uh. part of it. Maybe, yeah. Cause cause we're like, right by the freeway. I could have you across the state line in like 40 minutes. Take you to some cabin, hog tie your ankles, leave you in a room with like a saucer of milk, and videotape the whole thing for a couple days. Huh? What? Think no. about that. What? No, I'm not gonna think about. It. We just need you to give us the address to where you deliver this huge order tonight. Okay. You know what? Let me give you the address. I feel like if I don't, you guys are so stupid. Some dog walker is gonna find your bodies tomorrow under some overpass. Okay. Whoa, da, 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 don't show me your passcode. Oh, that's fair. Okay, I'm sorry. That's just the keep, whole thing I'm with copy, I'm just copying
3: the
1: address. Number four, yeah. I got a chance to watch this last night. It's available on uh, Amazon to rent. And just like, what a fucking great little, like, teenage high school comedy. Yeah. Uh, man, you know, we were, we were talking about, uh, we got a group chat with producer Colin and some of my other friends, uh, and I mentioned that I watched it, and somebody said like, oh yeah, it's like super bad. And, but we kind of were like, there's no great real, like as far as we could remember without doing any thinking about it, <laughs> uh, like great high school comedy since super bad, uh, like that, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, it's tough to think of one. I mean,
3: super
1: yeah, just like without like looking up anything or just be like, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. Right. It was great. I don't, I don't know. So yeah, book smart, uh, about these two girls, like nerdy girls, uh, Played by Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein, Feldstein yep. um, uh, that like, you know, never partied, got straight A's, going to Yale, going to, you know, top Ivy League schools. And they find out that all the dumb, shitty people that also partied also got into those schools <laughs> <laughs> and they want. well, last night before graduation, we're going to this big house party and just the trials and tribulations of trying to make it to the house party. And uh, the fallout of what all their shenanigans are. And just what a delight, man. I had so much fun with this movie. I wish I had seen... I know this was like a big push for people to go support this movie in theaters. I just didn't get around to it. And I just know this would have probably been somehow even higher than number four uh, if I had gotten to see it with a huge audience right. and just like you know that like cry laughing thing. Like I was laughing at home alone on the couch on the, watching <laughs> it on TV. Like I know if I was in a huge theater, I would be losing my mind about this movie.
3: Yeah,
1: and it's just tight writing, really funny, great. Uh, you know, Jason Sudeikis, Jessica Williams, just like lots of people popping up. Uh, just what a, and the the kid, I think his name is Jordan in the movie, but he I always love him. He's the actor that was young Sean Spencer on Psych, uh, <laughs> okay. and just like, hey, man, good for him. He's doing it, you know? You would That's be right. in, like, two minutes of every Psych episode, right. and now he's starring in this movie. There you, know? you go,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, I really love Booksmart. Again, another great movie that just did not make the cut of my top ten list. Uh, <laughs> but it's really impressive, and a really impressive, I think, directorial debut, especially, I think, Olivia Wilde's direction is actually a huge part of what I like about that movie. The, the scene where they, um, Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever have kind of, like, the their big fight towards the end of the movie yeah uh and the way the camera kind of just follows them like the two of them and it's like all in one take and it's kind of following them back and forth it's it's really well done uh so yeah. definitely um really cool on that front i hope olivia Wilde gets to make some more movies uh in the near future but uh, yeah and and yeah, and, so. and you mentioned i mean you mentioned uh, there hasn't been a great high school comedy since Superbad. uh i thought of one that i'm not sure i think is a great movie but i think a lot of people would go to bat for and that would be easy a uh it would be
1: oh wow yeah
0: that's not one that i love yeah. personally but like i know a lot of people who really do so uh that, that I forgot that, about that would be one I, I, I could say easy i, I could see easy taking that spot um but i think it's also just indicative of like there's very there's fewer comedies being made uh over the last oh, 10 yeah. years uh which is unfortunate and i feel like in 2019 i mean Booksmart got a, a release uh, but it kind of didn't do super well at the box office actually um good boys which was basically Booksmart but with 12 year olds um, and, right. and with Boys, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which was also very funny. I like that movie. I actually rewatched Good Boys on my flight back to uh, um, to to Missoula <laughs> the other day because uh, it was on. Cause it was on. Actually, I was choosing between Good Boys and Booksmart, uh, and I, I felt awkward about Booksmart because I knew there was like a sort of sex scene towards the end of the movie. So I was like, oh, I don't want to watch mm. this on an airplane. Uh, um, whereas, yeah. whereas Good Boys, there's like they're all twelve year olds, so there's no like actual sex stuff happening in the movie. They're...
1: I'll just watch Chernobyl instead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, watch the world burn. Uh, I can watch. I can watch that at home, <laughs> Mike. Come on. <laughs> um, but Good Boys actually did really well at the box office. Um, so, it, but that's a weird thing where I had, I had a different marketing push that Booksmart did, and you know, I, I feel yeah. like if Booksmart had different marketing behind it, or if it actually like got a huge buy release, it was weird because I feel like I saw the trailer for Booksmart in front of every movie I saw for like six months um for real but for a lot of other people like had no idea it existed and it was a very weird like Crazy. it's the difference between people who go to see movies every week and people who don't i guess i guess yeah um but yeah it's it's a bummer that booksmart didn't do better but uh it's definitely gaining an audience um like i know a lot of people who have caught up with it on video later on and have uh, really loved it so uh yeah booksmart good choice for number 4 man
3: hey
1: thanks mike
0: yeah no problem <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, now it's time for my number four, um, which is a movie that completely blew my mind. Like for a hot second, it was my number one movie of the year, uh, and then like I kind of knocked it down a couple spots. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> for one brief glorious moment, like, as soon
0: as I finished watching the movie, I was like, "This is incredible!" And then like, and then like I slept on it a day, and I was like, "All right, this guy just said knocked down to." All right, <laughs> under- <laughs> yeah, I got to calm down a little bit, but like that first experience, like it's just it's just so good. This is a great movie, um, and it's one that, like Booksmart, got completely annihilated by uh, like it just completely bombed at the box office um even worse actually because this barely got released um it's a new movie from david robert mitchell the director bit follows uh, and that is under the silver lake
11: you know this
6: girl well isn't she pretty earth angel earth angel she was killed well won't you be mine along
14: well, with jefferson
6: sevens but i I think you already knew that. Yeah. No, I did not. I don't care what's fashionable or cool. It's all silly and it's all meaningless. I created so many of the things that you care about. The songs that give your life purpose and joy. When you were 15 and rebelling, you were rebelling to my music. Uh Uh-oh, that's one you know. (laughs) That song was not written on distorted guitar. No, I wrote it here on piano somewhere between a blowjob and an omelet. There is no rebellion, there's only me earning a paycheck. good because the real message was not meant for you so it's better if you just smile and you dance and you enjoy the melody because this ugly old man me i am the voice of your generation your grandparents your parents and all the young people that follow you i love rock and roll drop another dime in the jukebox baby (laughs) oh Look at you, (laughs) everything that you hoped for, that you dreamed about being a part of, is a fabrication. Your art, your writing, your culture, is the shell of other men's ambitions, ambitions beyond what you will ever understand. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow, which is the movie equivalent of watching your college friends snort coke and rant about what he learned in r slash conspiracy theories uh <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, but it's so engrossing and so compelling like i said when i finished watching it, i was like man that was incredible i was glued to the tv while i was watching it uh like your mileage may vary i think based on the description that i just said um but yeah. but i loved this movie it's completely bonkers has a deranged lead performance from andrew garfield um it's a film noir and it's clearly in love with classic film but also with just pop culture in general uh while at the same time insinuating that it's all bullshit and none of it matters uh and it's (laughs) and it's the kind of movie where andrew garfield figures out where he needs to go by discovering a pattern in an old issue of a puzzle of nintendo power magazine um like it's it's nuts everybody needs to watch this movie it's insane uh i am on prime right now that's how i watched it originally actually too and again one that completely like it, this was supposed to come out last year a24 actually put this out and a24 great studio i mean they, they put out some of the best movies this year and la- like if, of the last like several years a24 has been like at the forefront of putting out some of the best movies they put out uh the yeah. lighthouse for example which you just mentioned uh, mm-hmm. earlier um and midsummer actually too was an a24 joint uh, Under the mm-hmm. Silver Lake also an a 24 thing, but I feel like they just had no idea how to market this movie because, quite frankly, nobody but, like, people like me would enjoy watching the movie. <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> <laughs> but for people like me, it's amazing. Uh, and, like, this movie probably would have bombed, like, regardless, no matter what they did with it. I get it, but, like, it was just kind of buried. Like, I think it got, like, a very, very small release and, like, hit VOD the same day, and that was basically it. But it is developing its cult uh, over the year. I've seen, like, more and more people get, get on but War- Under the Silver Lake um, so it's definitely worth checking out. And I think it is just a fascinating follow up to It Follows, which I thought was a pretty good horror movie. Um, but this is just like an absolutely insane, genius level, like insanity
1: type thing that I really nice. enjoyed. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I really wanted to watch this. I even rewatched uh, just a, a couple weeks ago, I watched uh, It Follows. Oh, yeah. And I was like, fuck it. i like, it, I finished it. It was like 1130. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna watch Under the Silver Lake," but it's like really long, right? I it's, forget how long. It's like
0: two and a half to two hours, and forty minutes type thing, something like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it's, it's...
1: I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe later. And then I just forgot all about it. I mean, uh,
0: honestly, <laughs> the ideal way to watch it is completely sleep deprived at like two a.m. Just throwing, that, <laughs> throwing that out
1: there. Maybe, maybe like Friday night, if I didn't have to wake. It was like a work night when I <laughs> watched <yeah>. It Follows. <laughs> uh, so maybe some sometime it'll be revised into my list, maybe. Yeah,
0: cool. So yeah, that is uh, Under the Silver Lake, and that is my number four movie. Of 2019. All right, Mike. Let's move on. What's your number three of the year?
1: My number three. We're coming down to the wire here, we Mike. Are. My number three is Bong Joon Ho's Parasite. Nice. Uh, and this is. I had no idea what to expect for this movie. I, you know, saw I saw a trailer for it. Uh, I heard about it on podcasts and stuff, and I. It was one of those things. I think it was on Shockwaves that I mentioned it, and I normally, like, you know, don't really skip around on podcasts, but they were like, oh, we're gonna talk about. Parasite, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" and I like took my headphones off. <laughs> I was like, "Oh no!" Uh, <laughs> but all I heard it described as a slow motion home invasion movie, and I was like, "I don't, I don't know what that means, but I need to know." Uh, <laughs> and that is just the perfect spoiler free description of what that movie is. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, as this, this poor family, um, you know, the members of a poor family get a, one of them gets a job with tutoring a rich uh, a daughter of a rich family in South Korea and just the 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 disparity between the two families and Bong Joon-ho's direction and the editing and just everything about this movie is just so picture perfect like yeah. it's so so perfect uh there's a, actually I just watched a video uh, I think it was Nerdwriter or something like that on YouTube did a whole thing on the montage that is the second act basically yeah. <laughs> like just a breakdown It's 60 shots in five minutes that tell the complete second act of this movie. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck? That's insane.
3: Yeah.
1: And it's beautiful. It's perfect. Uh, I can't, I hope it went. So it won the Golden Globe for best foreign film. Uh, I hope it sweeps some stuff at the Oscars there too. It absolutely deserves it uh it's just it's great this is a perfect fucking movie it's
0: so good i mean the hashtag bong hive is in full effect um on twitter <laughs> um a lot of people are rallying behind parasite um you know people like roma got nominated for best picture last year it's looked like parasite will also get nominated for best picture again this year so it's, it's kind of cool mm-hmm. and encouraging to see like more foreign films start to get recognized um in the actual like oscar race instead of just the best foreign film category and that's it Um, and I I think it's very likely Bong Joon-ho gets a Best Director nomination for this movie as well Uh, I think Parasite's going to be represented at the Oscars I don't know if it will win you know it's one of those things actually yeah um did you watch the golden globes by any chance or did you just see that nah, okay, yeah
1: no nah. i just saw that the ones the acceptance speech thing. okay
0: that's fair enough that's all i was gonna say but uh, yeah bong Joon ho's acceptance yeah. speech where he said like you know if americans could just get past the one inch barrier of subtitles uh they'd be <laughs> exposed to so many more amazing movies and everybody and everybody in film twitter was like hell yeah bong hi
3: uh, <laughs> <Like>, finally <laughs> yeah
0: somebody has the balls to say it um uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um but yeah, Parasite's great. Awesome, awesome movie, and uh, definitely uh, worthy of your number three spot. Uh, and I've been I've yeah. been keeping track of all your picks, Mike, and I'm pretty sure I figured out what your number two and your number one are. But I'm not going to actually say them. I'll just let
1: you mm, them Yeah, them. I wonder what it if be. I'm
0: right. I'll say it. Uh, but, <laughs> um, all right, now my number three movie of the year is one that um, I've been hearing about for like ten, fifteen years at this point. It's one that's been in development for a long, long time. Uh, and it's one that um, would not exist without Netflix so I'm very grateful that they uh, put this out there uh, The new movie from director Martin Scorsese. It is the Irishman.
8: What am I gonna do? Well, There's only something you can do. No, it's federal law. I don't care. You don't care. Oh, you can still do something about it There's nothing I can do. Well, what no, can I do? You can get my fucking money. How? Some other way. What way? Same way you got your money. Shh. Only your fucking voice you telling me to lower my voice? I you lower your fucking voice. Cocksucker. Don't call me a cocksucker. You. you. Don't you fucking dare. Look, you're here for fraud. You stole money. I stole money? Yeah, I stole money. Okay, fine, in a different way. But still, I want what I'm fucking owed. You people. You people. What'd you say? Oh, my God. What did you say? Oh, come on, what I said. What the fuck did I say? I don't what, know You people. Said. You said you people. What, is, what, what does that fucking mean, you people? I'm done. Talking about this, you people. I'm done. You're done. I'll rip your fucking head
12: off. Hey,
8: hey, guy. Oh, hey, I'll hey, hey, fucking
1: kill you. I'll fucking kill you. you fucking. Nice. There's a couple movies where I wasn't sure which one you were gonna pick <laughs> <laughs> that fit that. Um, well, with the Netflix thing, I guess maybe not. Okay. But
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. But uh, yeah, this is <laughs> this is Martin Scorsese. I mean, one of the great masters of cinema. Uh, and you haven't watched The Irishman yet. You, you had time to watch no. 10 hours of The Witcher in one weekend, but no t- no time.
1: <laughs> hey, look, man. Priorities.
0: <laughs> no time to watch The Irishman. Um, nope. But yeah, great, great movie. I got to see this in the theater, which it was um, definitely a better experience, I think. But, you know, people watching Netflix, that's fine. It's, you know, I, I just want people to see it. It is so, so great. Uh, and it's Scorsese kind of issuing his final statement on life and death and consequences. Uh, and I think this movie could have easily been a Scorsese greatest hits um you know because it, it's you know a gangster movie with de niro and pesci and pacino for the first time ever in a scorsese movie which is insane that al pacino was never in a scorsese movie before this point uh yeah it's just c- incredible and also al pacino incredible in this movie i mean it's actually I, i'm actually really here for this year for al pacino and Robert De Niro because they had like a really like those two guys were once or once like the biggest stars in the world or whatever like some of the most respected actors and for the past like 15 20 years they haven't really been doing much. Like been, yeah. Like, what
1: about Bad Grandpa though?
0: Yeah, there was a no, not Bad Grandpa. Dirty Grandpa, I think was Dirty the, grandpa yeah, that Bad was Grandpa a... was the jackass one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, De Niro made a couple of comedies, and he was in a, he was like supporting the like, Lions playbook and things like that. But like, you know, he wasn't like doing a real De Niro type role, you know. Uh, and Pacino, kind of the same deal, you know. And now in 2019, De Niro got in this movie and in Joker uh which you know whatever but still like he's just, it's <laughs> fun to see him in joker uh and then al pacino was in this movie and once went time in hollywood uh which is pretty cool and yeah, now al pacino is also in this new amazon show produced by jordan peele have you seen the trailer for this uh, yes, I have. It, this sounds incredible. It's like a Nazi hunting show where Al Pacino's hunting Nazis in the seventies. I'm like, oh, give me that, give me that show right now. It's incredible.
1: Uh, Put it in my veins. But,
0: um, but uh, yeah, so this could have been a Scorsese greatest hits, um, but it's instead, I think, an examination of his entire career. Uh, there have been a lot of jokes and complaints about the length of the movie, but that length is like sort of the point um like you live a life with these characters and one by one those characters start to fade away until one is left like old and broken and alone with no one around who cares about him or his stories and it's exhausting emotionally it is depressing um the last shot of the movie hit me so hard and i left the theater just like contemplating my own mortality and wondering what the world <laughs> will be like in 50 years and if i'm still around like who else that i know will still be there it, it makes it made me very reflective and sad and that's the goal of the movie. It is it is really really great, uh, and just a, an incredible gut punch, and one of those, possibly one of Scorsese's best films. But you know Scorsese's made like a million masterpieces, so it's tough to narrow that. <laughs> to, tough to narrow yeah. that down. Uh, but yeah, The Irishman, the new Martin Scorsese movie, available on Netflix right now. Everybody should watch it, and if you can watch it in one sitting, that's the way to do it. Because I think it is like one. I think splitting it up, like sort of, takes away some of its power because it is about like you know just kind of living a life. With these people in one sitting but um mm. which i which i get is you know again it's three and a half hours so it's tough to find the time to do it uh it's tough to be in the mood i guess for a movie like this uh but it is yeah. you know it, it is weird i mean i mentioned uh, my mom watched this movie about a week after i did and she asked me if i wanted to watch it again and like normally i think i would but like i was still so emotionally drained from watching it the first time <laughs> uh and i've seen people on twitter like watching it like four or five times and i'm like how do you have the emotional capacity what? to do that <laughs> uh, but yeah it's great al pacino's awesome joe pesci coming out of retirement for this movie and delivering one of his best performances ever uh, it, it, he was incredible and robert de niro also great and you know just a great ensemble cast around it too and, uh, like people who were too young to be in martin scorsese movies in the past got to be in them this time like bobby cannavale is in this movie right uh, and Stephen graham who was al capone in boardwalk empire he's in this movie and like people who like are are like born to be in Scorsese mob movies, uh, but we like too young to do it. Now get got the chance to be in one, so it was pretty cool. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, that is uh, the Irishman, the new Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese movie. That is my number three. Mike, what's your number two?
1: My number two pick uh, is a follow up from our favorite movie last year. This year, Ari Aster put out Midsummer.
0: I knew it. That was what, that was that was what I had written down. That
1: was what you picked for number two. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, I wasn't sure if you'd get them in the right order, but you got it. Good job. <laughs>
16: <laughs>
11: I know what you're going through, Danny.
16: What am I going through?
11: Because I lost my parents too. What?
13: No, no, Billy. Yes, yes, that yes. is not what I'm talking no, about. I'm not, talking, not about talking about my about, family. I'm I not lost talking my parents about my when I'm I was a little. About, they burned no, up in a fire. No, I
11: wasn't
16: talking about that.
11: My parents—they no. burned up in a fire, and I became technically an orphan. So believe me when I tell you that I know what it's like because I do, I really, really do. Yet my difference is I never got the chance to feel lost because I had a family here where everyone embraced me and swept me up. And I was raised by a community that doesn't bicker over what's theirs and what's not theirs. That's what you were given. But I have always felt held by a family, a real family, which everyone deserves, and you deserve. Valley Christian could walk in. He's what I'm talking about. He's my good friend, and I like him. But Danny, do you feel held by him? Does he feel like home to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just this this Florence Pugh, I mean, I we, we stand, we protect. We gotta protect her at all costs <laughs> now, basically. Yeah, it's this this group of friends go to go to Sweden, right? I think uh, to to yep. partake in this kind of. Uh, once-in-a-lifetime, once-a-generation cultural uh, ritual uh, with one of their friends, their their uh, anthropology stu- grad- doctorate students, because, uh, of course, they are uh, the <laughs> friends. And uh, she gets real real dark real quick, basically, once they get there. it takes, oh, yeah. takes a real hard left turn uh, and just bad, bad news uh, all around. And just, <laughs> just the way Ari Aster is able to just, like let a scene go on forever. Like just put a, ca- put a camera there and like let this, this atmosphere like happen. And the sense of uh, impending dread that we all know is coming and just take forever to get there. And Oh my God, it's so effective. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> and it's so, it's so funny too. Like I, we were, I was talking about, uh, or thinking about hereditary and like on, on a subtlety scale, hereditary, hereditary is like a 10 and midsummer is on one. Like it is the most in your face, obvious movie about everything all the time. Yeah. And it's still the fucking scary, like, it's so scary. Like, the first frame of the movie tells you the whole movie. <laughs> like, <I don't>, like, <laughs> like the whole, like that painting thing. Uh, and still, like, you never see anything coming, and it's just so, the sense of dread that lasts for, I don't know, what is it? What's the, ext- the director's cut's like two hours and 45 minutes, I think, or Some- over three hours?
0: Yeah, something like that. I think it is, like, just about three hours.
1: Um, but I- Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And I really hope that gets added to the, to, to the American Blu-ray. It's on the UK Blu-ray. Okay. Uh, so if you have a region free player, uh, you can get that. Uh, but it's not available. I think. I think like you said, it's only on uh, Apple TV right now. But yeah, I need to own this as soon as the director's cut <laughs> becomes available to <laughs> own because uh, I just gotta have it. Yeah. And this is the only movie on my list that I got to. I saw twice. Um, oh wow. Because I saw it with the regular cut, and then uh, the director's cut got released here in Brooklyn. I think it was, and I got a chance to go see it. Nice. And uh, yeah, can't miss that.
0: Nice, actually, I, actually, so, yeah. actually, I think it's the only movie on my list that I saw twice, also in theaters, anyway. Because um, I saw Shazam again recently. Um, right. Um, oh yeah, up, in theaters. On um, yeah. Blu-ray. Uh, the only one I saw on my list that I saw twice, except for my number one, which I saw a couple more times than twice. But <laughs> <laughs> I
1: had a suspicion. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, but we'll get to that later. Uh, yeah, Midsummer, my number nine, and Mike's number two. Really great horror movie, uh, and a really like interesting follow-up for Ari Aster, and he is, I think. Yeah. You know, at, like the one-two punch of those movies, like one year after each other too. Like in in, Out of in the span of one year, it's incredible. Like he's, I think, the most exciting new voice um, working in cinema right now. So I can't wait. To, yeah, uh, it's like it's like him and Greta Gerwig are like the two that I'm really excited about. Uh, Greta <laughs> I make, think it's making very different movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, they're the same. They're the same. No, um, both have Florence Pugh. I think it is uh... both have Florence Pugh. You're right. The fl- <laughs> the Pugh, the Pew verse Pew. Pugh- no, that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think it is really cool. You mentioned it or or referenced it earlier. There's this, you know, kind of group of, you know, uh, Robert Eggers, Ari Aster, Jordan Peel, and I forget the names for for Uh, for It Follows, or Under the Silver Lake and The Nightingale. Right, Jennifer Jennifer
0: Kent, uh, David Robert Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah, and Ari Aster. It's like a little group of like
1: (laughs) up and coming, like just... Game changer, horror directors. Uh, hopefully they can all keep making great movies. Uh, you know, we'll we'll touch, touch and go there maybe, but one of them made your list so far.
0: Yeah, one of, I mean, two of them made my list with *The Midsummer* and Under the Silver Lake. Uh, and Oh, yeah,
1: uh, yeah true. And the
0: Nightingale, the Nightingale and Us are both uh, honorable mentions for me also. Um, so yeah. there's that. And then The Lighthouse is like, just outside our honorable mentions. I saw a lot of really good movies this year.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, what's your number two, Mike? Uh, my
0: number two is one that you mentioned uh, just a bit ago, Mike. Your number three, actually. Uh, it's Parasite. Ooh. Uh, nice. Parasite is my number two movie of the year the new movie uh, directed by Bong Joon-ho and uh, you know 2019 is a big year for Class Warfare Eat the Rich movies this, Goddamn this right. one I think rises above the rest and then some oh, I yeah. mean it's so exquisitely crafted it's a masterwork uh and you know bong joon-ho i think is one of the modern cinematic masters he's incredible i mean he made the host he made uh oakja he made Snowpiercer, and i think this is his best movie i genuinely do i think it's just like is this is the best thing he's made uh and just the craft on display alone is enough to make the list but the way the movie just continues to surprise and shock while also being really funny um it's just bong joon-ho at the top of his game one of the the hallmarks of his work is that he's able to kind of flip genres at the you know, the flip of a coin or whatever, like, he's, he's so quickly flips whatever he's doing, uh, and Parasite yeah. does that in a really expertly crafted way, uh, and it's really just, it's audacious and incredible to watch, and, uh, the fan, and also the characters are just really fun to watch, like, the, the like, yeah. it feels like a weird, like, Ocean's Eleven heist movie at first, and then it becomes something much more sinister, and, uh, I really, really love Parasite, yeah uh and definitely uh worth uh worth watching i mean all these movies that we're talking about are worth watching i don't know why i keep saying that (laughs) because like they're our top 10 they're worth watching
1: (laughs) come on according to us yeah But that moment when it makes that turn uh in like you know the third act or say whatever you want to say there uh, i was laying on the couch watching this and when that happened i like sat i was like like sitting up like ready to start pacing i was like (laughs) what the fuck is going on (laughs) um yeah
0: yeah great incredible movie uh so yeah parasite is my number two of the year and now before we reveal our number ones uh we want to thank everyone who's been a guest on the show over the course of the last year couldn't do it without you i mean we could but it'd be boring
1: nobody wants to listen to exactly. us exactly
0: uh, and to do that um we invited every single person who made a guest appearance on the show over the past year uh to send in a short clip of themselves talking about their own favorite movies of 2019 so here's what we got first up is our clip Uh, from Sam Harper, who you mentioned earlier. He was on our Joker episode. Uh, What's Sam's favorite movie of the year?
10: What's my favorite movie for 2019? (sighs) Unfairly, Avengers Endgame. It just had to be. I mean, that was the culmination of 20 years of planning and long shots And just really good storytelling stuffed in like this burrito of awesomeness. Everything you wanted, every little fan service, every emotion all happened in this one movie. And like as someone who walked into the Iron Man movie when it first came out and walked out mind blown, this was like the mind blownest I was ever and if there never comes another Marvel movie after this this would be a suitable ending to it so Avengers Endgame favorite movie 2019
0: that one was from Sam Harper and now let's hear one from our boy producer Colin
10: so I saw a
15: lot more movies in 2019 than I did in 2018 making this choice a lot harder than it was last year But the movie that I enjoyed the most, that I had the most fun sitting in the theater watching, talking about with friends afterwards, and that I ultimately ended up seeing again three days after my first viewing, was Knives Out. We all know Mike DiCruccio might be the biggest Ryan Johnson stan out there, so obviously he got me hooked on his work back in college with Brick. This led to me falling in love with Ryan Johnson and having huge expectations to this movie going in, and somehow it exceeded all of them. The performances were great across the board from Chris Evans and... Daniel Craig and Armis, they were all fantastic. It was so well-written and compelling, and I don't think there was a moment during this movie that didn't have a smile on my face. The donut analogy is also my favorite piece of writing in any movie, all year, hands down. Cracked me up every time they brought it up. The movie also had some really good social commentary that I felt played really well within the the movie and within the storyline. Mostly, I just want to see more Benoit Blanc solving uh, mysteries in his ridiculous manner, Uh, so I really hope that Ryan Johnson just gives us a bedwall block universe but yeah uh, knives out my number one movie of 2019 i'm gonna go watch that somewhere right now bye hello this is ej corella i was on the lego movie 2 the second one podcast earlier this year after personally watching 92 films i can
4: honestly say that my favorite movie of the year was parasite directed by bong joon ho
0: I don't really know what to say about this film that you haven't already heard yet. I'll just regurgitate that it's a masterclass in storytelling, a masterclass in direction, and it's probably a better pick at number one than
15: yours.
13: What up, Mike and Mike podcast listeners? Uh, I am Jordan Rodriguez. I was a guest on the podcast for Toy Story 4, and 2019 was actually a pretty solid year for movies. Uh, just... some. Um, Runner-ups that I want to shout out to. Uh, fighting With My Family. I'll just rattle these off really quick. Shazam, Longshot, John Wick Chapter 3, Smart, Always Be My Maybe, Peanut Butter Falcon, Jojo Rabbit, Irishman, 4V Ferrari, Knives Out, and especially, it was so close to being my number one, uh, but I gotta give a special shout out to Play Mobile the movie. Um, that was just a, an underrated masterpiece, in my opinion. But as far as my favorite movie of the year i i gotta be basic i gotta say avengers endgame the culmination of 10 years of watching this franchise just build and build and build and there was a couple of stumbles along the way but there wasn't really a bad movie i don't think you can really say oh that one marvel movie just who it was terrible it was bad uh it, it all of them just culminated into this one i know infinity war and endgame are kind of like two movies you know two really long movies but endgame was just ah this beautiful culmination of just the journey of all these characters and uh and just the moments the moments i mean spoilers i guess for the you know most uh, highest grossing movie of all time but i mean captain america with the hammer uh, the Infinity Stones, uh, Smart Hulk, and of course, R.I.P. Iron Man, and R.I.P. Captain America. Uh, you know, I laughed, I cried in the theater, uh, I jumped for joy, I wept, and everything in between. It was it was just fantastic, and because of those feelings of, you know, the roller coaster that I've been on for, for or we've been on as fans for the past 10 years... i I can't say no i can't say no it's it's got to be endgame i'm sorry uh so hopefully i will be a guest on soon and uh just good luck and have a happy 2020
16: hey this is nick wormuth from the godzilla king of monsters and dark phoenix episode and my favorite movie of 2019 is quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood now tarantino has essentially been on a hot streak since 1992 but once upon a time in my opinion at least is a real standout While many of his films have opted for pulpy and over-the-top set pieces, which are a large part of what made him popular, choosing to focus on vulnerability and realizing one's own obsolescence is not something I have really thought I'd get from Tarantino, but if this is how he deals with his own midlife crisis, then I'm all in for it. Uh, He strays away from romanticizing the usual gangsters and gunslingers, and is really just making a love letter to old-time Hollywood. The 60s setting never really feels like a gimmick or a backdrop, but more of a living, breathing thing, and it's one of the first times I've ever really felt nostalgic for a time that I was so far removed from. The small scenes, like the two leads watching Rick Dalton's episode of FBI, and the montage of neon signs scored perfectly by the Rolling Stones, have quickly become some of my favorites of the decade, and the the day-in-the-life structure here really makes us care for these characters, and allows for a nearly impossible third act to stick the landing. To paraphrase a quote from Greta Gerwig, Tarantino makes movies as if movies could save the world. Movies can kill Hitler, free slaves, and give Sharon Tate one more summer. He makes movies like movies matter. And in a time where big names like Scorsese and even Michael Bay have to settle for Netflix, it's great to see that there's at least one director who can still have an original event movie that brings people out to the theaters. In closing, all I can say is, what a picture.
14: Hi, my name is Kyle. I am what Mike calls the music supervisor of this podcast. I was on the Hobbs and Shaw, A Fast and Furious Story episode. I was on the Hellboy episode, the Star Wars episode, and I think that's it this year. I don't know. Colin, if you could check the minutes, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, My top movie of the year, uh, I had it down to three, but I think my number one movie of the year is Knives Out. Followed very closely by Jojo Rabbit, but I saw Knives Out in the theater a couple months ago and I was absolutely blown away. It is so much fun. It is so well written and it's just an absolute blast of a movie and an excellent entrance into the whodunit genre. And I really hope Ryan Johnson makes another like whodunit because it was so goddamn good. Thanks for having me, Mike and Mike.
4: Here we go. Vin Craig's top. Films, 2019, recording this while driving to work, don't text and drive. Number three, Uncut Gems, god damn, what a film, I've been an Adam Sandler fan for so long, probably my whole life, and just, god, I always knew he had this kind of performance in him, and I'm so proud of him, and I, they could make a movie about anxiety that would be less stressful to watch than Uncut Gems, Boom Roasted. Number two, uh, Little Women. Goddamn, what a movie. I cried like eight times, not even at the sad stuff always, just at the like the Laura Dern stuff. And I'm in love with Laura Dern, and I want to get that on the record in case she listens to this podcast and is single. I would watch a movie about Laura Dern's neck, but it would be entirely too long, boom roasted. And number one, Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. God damn, that man knows how to make a movie. I love The Host, I love Snowpiercer, I love Okja, and Parasite, I think, is his best movie. And I don't even want to boom roast to this one because I really like this movie that much. And I will say, though, that that love scene between the parents, where they're getting a little frisky, was way hotter than it had any right to be. Uh, and it made me feel very uncomfortable, given the other context of the movie, but in a good way. All right, peace and love, everybody, happy 2019.
0: Alright, thanks so much for your submissions, guys, and uh, thanks for being on the show. We hope to hear from all of you in 2020 uh, at some point, uh, or another. I've got a few of them scheduled for episodes uh, throughout the year, which I had not consulted with you yet, Mike, but that is a thing that I have done. To... <laughs> <laughs> I approve. I guess. uh Yeah. So, no, we'll, just just a heads up: Nick Wormuth showing up on the No Time to Die episode in April. All right. We're we're doing a beautiful James Bond retrospective. We're rewatching every single Bond movie. <laughs>
1: all thirty-seven of them. No, yeah. how many? There's a lot of them. Twenty. Uh, this
0: is Bond twenty-five. <laughs> there it is. So yeah, we're, we're rewatching all of them, or not doing that. We'll see what happens. Nope.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll probably watch Goldeneye though. That's a great one
0: we're gonna do a retrospective <laughs> on all of them and you'll be like hey Goldeneye's good that's that's a good movie
1: <laughs> i got something to say about goldeneye you know what instead
0: of doing a retrospective of the movie franchise why don't we just do a retrospective of goldeneye at the video game uh on the n64 yeah.
1: <laughs> i still got mine my, my n64 still works let's there do you it
0: yeah we'll talk about that for a half hour before diving into <laughs> daniel craig's final outing in his James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all right uh okay Mike. it's time what is your number one movie of 2019 uh can i say it for you or do you want to say (laughs) yeah you say it you say i i know what it is i've i've deduced what it is and i think anybody who like carefully listens to this podcast will probably have figured out what it is (laughs) but uh
1: yes you oh okay i was gonna say yes i'll I'll go get my blu-ray that just arrived today and you can tell the movie uh tell the listeners what my number one movie is because it's ryan johnson's latest movie knives
16: out Mr. Blanc, I know who you are. I read your profile in The New Yorker. I found it delightful. I just buried my 85-year-old father who committed suicide. Why are you here?
6: I'm here at the behest of a client. Who? I cannot say, but let me assure you this. My presence will be ornamental. You will find me a respectful, quiet, passive observer of the truth.
0: Yes, of course it is. The biggest Ryan Johnson stand I know, Mike Decretio. Of course <laughs> you can do Ryan yes. Johnson movies out. You gotta put it at number one.
1: <laughs> Come on, number one. I mean it was a tough call between this and Midsummer, honestly. That's fair. Yeah. But I just I just had a lot more fun with Knives Out. Uh, and my Blu-ray of uh, Brick finally arrived after having it pre-ordered since March 2018, yeah. 2019.
0: It arrived for me today, too, and I had forgotten that I ordered it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I might have been like drunk or something when I saw, like, oh, I gotta get the Brick Blu-ray that Kino Lorba's putting out. And I and like I got the email from Amazon like the other day saying, like, hey, uh, your your order of Brick is on the way. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about it, but this is like, oh, when did this happen? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: What's going on? Yeah, so it's the, uh, the
0: happiest uh, Christmas present of all is to, to myself yes. that I gave me.
1: <laughs> Congratulations, Mike! I'm yes. happy for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Brick. Oh, Jesus, not Brick. Uh, Knives Out. Let's, let's talk about Brick. Let's just Forget talk about, about Brick. Out.
0: Forget
3: about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Knives Out is the new Ryan Johnson Who Done It, uh, starring another 18 million people, uh, yep. <laughs> most prominently Anna de Armas and Daniel Craig, uh, and this is just a a a whip-smart, uh, exciting murder mystery, but it's not even really a murder mystery. It's like a, I think you called it a how-done-it, uh, was your t- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how you described it on our yeah. episode?
0: Yeah, I think I called it that because, you know, the way it feels like, it feels like the movie solves itself by the half-hour mark, and obviously it doesn't, there's more to come, like, there's more to discover later, um, Right. but, like, I think it, it's more fascinated with the process of how the murder was done than necessarily who did the murder.
1: Yes, exactly, and uh, just this group of characters, uh, this this just absolutely awful family, <laughs> and the way they all hate each other, and every member of the family has motive to have killed the the grandfather, uh, and just what's going on, and who who's backstabbing who, and and just uh, uh, just it's great, everything about it, all the performances are amazing. Daniel Craig is doing this just outrageous. Foghorn Leghorn accent, and yep. it's just fucking perfect. And I don't know if you saw, there was a thing going around on Twitter that somebody was like, uh, "I really hope that the Benoit Blanc is the character's name, the detective." That that series, he just has a in every future movie, he has a more outrageous accent, and it's never explained why. Yeah. And Ryan Johnson was responded and was like, "I've had this idea before," <laughs> yeah. um, which is great. Yes. So maybe that'll happen, but I doubt it. But d- yeah, d- hopefully we get some more. Goes,
3: but yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: hopefully get some more benoit blanc movies because that character is just so much fun and just everything is on 11 in this movie it's just goofy and self-aware and yep it's just it's perfect that's all yeah that's it's really it. good I actually, that's knives out
0: yeah i went to go see it again over over um on christmas eve actually uh with my family nice. and uh, it was a big hit everybody liked it um but yeah knives out really good almost made my top 10 did not uh so another another really, another, <laughs> really another good, one another really good movie that uh you know just didn't quite make the list but it is really really great uh, and a really, really fun movie. Uh, and just a blast to see Ryan Johnson, um, you know, take all the clout that he got from Star Wars, the last Jedi, take like, you know, I love it when a movie, when a filmmaker is able to take that, like, you know, do that big blockbuster movie, get a big paycheck out of it, and then have a big success with it. And then kind of take a smaller project and like, take this movie they've been developing for a long time to finally get it made. Um, Taika Waititi, yeah. Taika Waititi did the same thing this year, uh, going from Thor Ragnarok to Jojo Rabbit. Um, but Ryan Johnson going from the last Jedi to, uh, this movie it's just so much fun and uh i mean you should be happy because uh it was just announced i think yesterday uh that ryan johnson's officially developing a sequel to knives out uh with
1: oh what no yeah. i didn't see that
0: yeah with daniel craig returning as a uh, benoit blanc uh
1: <laughs> this changes everything i didn't know that <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> uh
0: so yeah that's, that's officially i mean it's not like actively in development of studio yet but ryan johnson's like working right. on the ideas and stuff and figuring it out uh, so theoretically, Excellent. within the next year or two, there could be like a Knives Out sequel um, in production, um, which is Perfect. pretty exciting. I don't know what this means for his Star Wars trilogy, um, if that even is still a thing anymore. But uh, who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, Ryan Johnson, Knives Out, really great movie, uh, and really cool to uh, see that as your number one. Completely expected choice, but so is mine.
1: Um, <laughs> so is yours. <laughs> I, I knew you. I knew. I knew what yours was going to be too. Don't worry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, there was there was genuinely zero chance um, this was not. <laughs> my number one movie of the year. Uh, my number one movie of the year is uh, your number seven, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
6: So, you and a bunch of friends like you all live at Spawn Movie Ranch.
3: Yeah.
6: Hop well, in, I'll take you there.
3: Great.
7: i to go down here and get on the Hollywood
6: freeway. I know where
16: it is. Are you some old cowboy guy that used to make movies there? Whoa! <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm
6: just surprised how accurate that description of me really is. Some old cowboy guy that used to shoot movies at Spawn Ranch.
2: So he used to make westerns at the ranch back in the old timey days.
6: Yeah, well, if By the old timey days, you mean television eight years ago. Yeah. Me an actor? No, I'm a stuntman.
16: You're a stuntman. That's way better.
6: <laughs> Why is that way better?
16: Actors are phony. Oh. They, they just say lines that other people write and pretend to murder people on their stupid TV shows. Meanwhile, real people are being murdered every day in Vietnam.
0: look tarantino probably one of my five favorite directors of all time i mean his work connects with me every time out. i almost feel lame putting this in the number one spot uh (laughs) because it's so obvious it's such like like i've talked about this movie so much in the podcast over the course of the last six months
1: well knives out and once upon a time yeah of course
0: (laughs) but like i saw this movie four times in theaters um which is something i haven't done since the dark knight um back back in 2008 uh that's the only time i've ever seen another movie four times in theaters uh, I'm not even sure where this ranks among Tarantino's films for me yet because it's so different than everything else he's ever done. Like, it, like, every time I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I feel like I might like this more than The Kill Bills, but I love The Kill Bills and they're so deeply ingrained in my being. And also, like, <laughs> they're such different movies. <laughs> it's just like, it's tough, yeah. to, it's tough to really Very get Very different. A, yeah, it's tough to really get a grasp on that. But all I know is I love this movie. It's a perfect recreation of time and place long gone and I think a beautiful rewrite of history in regards to Sharon Tate. I think the Tate Manson stuff was the subject of most of the press leading up to the film's release, and then it became pretty clear that uh, that was going to be a more minor part of the movie than a lot of people expected it to be. Like It still factors in pretty heavily into the climax of the movie, um, but definitely in a way that um, is not the actual way the history actually went. Uh, <laughs> right. This is just day in the life of Rick Dalton, Cliff Booth, and Sharon Tate, uh, and I think what kept me coming back, the thing that makes me want to watch it again right now, is just that it is a perfect hangout movie. It is. I, I love hanging out with Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth while they're watching FBI on TV. Uh, I love hanging out with uh, Cliff while he picks up Pussycat on the side of the road. I love uh, being there with Rick when he's, like, fucking up on the Western set and he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> uh, I love uh, hanging with Sharon Tate as she watches herself in The Wrecking Crew and takes in the reaction to the crowd. Like, that's an incredible sequence to me. Um... Yeah, and you'll get more out of this movie if you're familiar with the Manson murders, and especially if you're familiar with the 1960s Hollywood. Um, but the character work, I think, is so top notch. You should be able to just watch it completely blind and still enjoy it. Although the ending might confuse you uh, <laughs> a little bit. I remember there was, <laughs> to like say that, the least. there was like that one email from a Slash FilmCast listener who had no idea that this was based on an, an, any kind of real characters, and he, like, <laughs> it's like uh, and like the complete obliviousness to uh, to, to what was going yeah. on uh, was pretty incredible um and tarantino has gone on record you know many times saying he's only going to make 10 films uh which means he has one more left to make after this one um but i can't think of a better end to his career than the final shots of this movie um that said quentin tarantino please make more movies and also don't retire
1: Uh, please please
3: god
0: yeah uh but anyway yeah once upon a time in hollywood uh my number one movie of the year uh which is not a shocker i know that's it's, it's <laughs> like i feel like i've been talking about it non-stop and it's one of those things where like even like like my non-movie friends have all seen it and they've all generally liked it but you know th- this is one that it really feels like if you're super into movies uh and super into quentin tarantino stuff uh it's you know it's just something I want to watch again and again, right? Now, I, I I think about it all the time. I, I got the Blu-ray recently, and I haven't had the chance to rewatch it yet, and it's like killing me. It's like it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's driving me nuts because I want to rewatch it again right now. I want to get to the, you know the FBI scene. I want to get to uh, you know I, like I've been imitating Brad Pitt saying "I try" for like the. <laughs> the entire (laughs) six months since it ended you know i want to watch the bruce lee scene again which i know is controversial but i think this is like really great uh you know it's it's just a really good movie uh once Upon a time in hollywood my favorite movie of
1: 2019 i just recently re-listened to or listened to a episode of screen drafts where uh, inglorious bastard ended up number one on the list and i was like oh man you know what I want to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> Just <laughs> that, like, is that Glorious Bastard is like the first, uh, you know, revisionist history movie yeah. that he did. He's got a three, three of them now <laughs> between that and Django and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I gonna have to get on that soon. I guess that's what yeah, I'm saying.
0: Definitely. I mean, I, I rewatched all the Tarantino movies leading up to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, and I kind of like reinvigorated my love for Tarantino movies. Like I, that never went away. But it was one of those things where like I was at my Tarantino peak when I was in high school and like maybe the first Mm -hmm. couple years of college uh because i would watch those movies obsessively like over and over and over again (laughs) uh you know like i like i've said kill bill is just deeply in my dna and pulp fiction same deal and glorious Bastards, same deal uh and you know i rewatched reservoir dogs a few times like but i think the main ones were really pulp fiction kill bill and glorious bastards um, and, you know, mm-hmm. I was, and you know I was there with Django and Chain came out in theaters and we want to see the Roadshow version of the hateful eights and stuff like that but like, yeah. those, but, like those few years of, like high school and college like Tarantino movies were so important to me uh, and I rewatched them all again um, for, uh, for a few of them for the first time in a long time um, especially like, I think the Kill Bills I hadn't watched in like four or five years at least um, and they were still like, I could recite like every line of dialogue and that, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, uh, it was a great way to kind of lead up into what's about Him in Hollywood. I want to start doing that more where like, you know, it went, when it's doable, at least cause I did that basically twice this yeah. year. I did that twice this year. Once when with Tarantino movies and once with Marvel movies before Avengers Endgame came out. Uh, right. and that one was a lot, that, <laughs> that one took a lot out of yeah. me. <laughs> just cause that was like 22 movies or whatever leading up to Endgame. And so I had to take like like an entire like two months or whatever and they were like the only movies i was watching for that for that amount of time uh like i could have watched so many more movies for the first time like if i didn't do that with that marvel rewatch uh
3: <laughs> that, that
1: inflated your total to, to 260 or whatever that's why it's because you <laughs> 21 of them you had seen already
0: <laughs> no i I, don't, I didn't count those the rewatches don't count as part doesn't of count the rewatches don't count um <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, interesting.
0: Uh, actually you know I also did a Star Wars rewatch uh leading up to Roger Skywalker also. But that, that was that That's was over right. the course you of did. several months. Like it was one of those things like, oh, I'll put on a Star Wars movie. Um and I didn't rewatch the spin-offs, so I only watched the main saga. But uh, anyway, yeah. The important thing is, once upon a time in Hollywood, really great. Knives Out, really great. The two best movies of the year uh, <laughs> ever in history. As yep. as, de- as decreed by us. Uh, Mike, do you have any honorable mentions that you want to throw out there?
1: Um yes. Uh, I've got to see Uncut Gems like last week. Oh, nice. Uh, and just, like, did you get to see Uncut Gems, Mike?
0: I have seen Uncut Gems. Honestly, I mean, I liked it. I, I feel like I was not as in love with it as a, a lot of people were. Uh, so it did, actually did not make my own impressions, yeah. but uh, I'm glad I made yours.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, but I don't even really know, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, okay. The last half hour of Uncut Gems is absolutely fucking incredible. Uh, but the other hour and a half, uh, <laughs> or hour and 45... I don't I I don't know. It's just fucking weird. I haven't seen the Safety brothers' other movie, uh, High Times, right? Uh, I think with good, Robert Pattinson. Good, uh, good
0: time, which is great. Good.
1: Good, good time. Good
0: time is great. It's not. It's not just a good time. It's a great time, as I like to say. It's a
1: great time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten to see that yet, uh, but now I definitely want to after this because I just like I just I need to understand the ouvre,
3: Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, and then another another one uh, was Nightingale, the Nightingale. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, this is like, I, I say honorable mentions, but more movies that like, I might be, have been able to be talked into to put them on my top 10, but didn't quite, you know, okay. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've talked about before, just like my kind of, uh, aversion to like the rape revenge movie uh, kind of thing. Yes. Uh, and that's fine, but if the, I just needed the more of the revenge, I think is what I'm saying. Okay. About I mean, the,
0: yeah, the Nightingale becomes much more of like a colonialist, um, like a yeah. screed against colonialism and it's you know it's really fascinating i really love that movie
1: absolutely uh,
0: uh and it's really great didn't, and didn't quite make my honorable mentions but it is i think like my number 23 or four movie of the year or something <laughs> like that i i have my whole if you want to go check out my whole ranked list i unprivatized it on letterbox you can check out all 121 movies that i <laughs> that i have seen wow. that from 2019 this year that i've ranked uh then it was like in the 20s it's really great um but yeah, yeah. D- didn't quite uh, get up there for me but it is so i think
1: good. it is it's it was really interesting. Uh, I didn't know, uh, know the, about this uh, with the movie, but it's like another movie set in it's like eighteen thirty or something like that in Australia. Yeah. But it's also filmed in a really tight aspect ratio and like sort of set up as if like a not silent movie quite the way the lighthouse is, uh, but like this is a very stationary camera. Like the camera doesn't pan or move around a whole lot. Like the Aspect ratio is really small.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, it was like this movie got none of the recognition at all <laughs> for that for that technical thing that Lighthouse did. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I just thought that was really interesting that two movies set in the eighteen hundreds d- went for the same same kind of thing, <laughs> uh just like on a technical thing, a technical level. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's the Nightingale.
0: That's the Nightingale. Any other mentions you want to throw
1: out there, Mike? Uh, not not off the top of my head, no. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm surprised Avengers Endgame didn't make your mentions at least. Uh, with just, I, oh,
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, uh, Avenger, yeah, Avengers Endgame, Us. I mean, there, I had a huge list of stuff, and I kind of just deleted all of it once okay. I had my top ten, so I <laughs> don't remember what was on there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, Toy Story 4, I think, was on there at one point. Okay. Um, yeah, just kind of like more more, uh, uh, germane picks, you know? Okay. Well, <laughs> more obvious choices. <laughs> well, I can give you
0: my... Uh, my mentions are basically my 11 through 20, so I'm just going to kind of run them down. Uh, My number 11 movie, like this, like this was a tough call between this and Shazam for my number 10. I ultimately went with Shazam, but my number 11 is John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Uh, Oh, that
1: was on there too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Incredible movie. Just so much fun. Uh, Great, great action movie. And Keanu killing it, as always. Uh, And, you know, John Wick 1 and 2 and 3, like a perfect. I thought it would be a perfect trilogy of movies. And then it leaves it open, and now John Wick 4 coming out in 2021. Same day as The Matrix 4 right now. Uh, Which. Which pro- I hope they do it. I, I hope
1: nobody changes and they do it. I,
0: I am sure that won't end up being the case, but man, I would love it if they just <laughs> double feature day. But then I have to then I have to choose. What do I see first?
1: <laughs> I know I mean, that's a tough call. Which
0: would be tough. I, I would probably go with the Matrix Four just because that's insane that that's being made, uh, and I gotta and I gotta <laughs> find out what's going on with that. But yeah, John Wick Four, Matrix Four, supposedly being released in the same day in 2021. Um, but yeah, John Wick Three, my number eleven, um, and then I have one that um, I know you hated. Um, but I really loved that is Dragged Across Concrete uh, the new <laughs> the new S-Trading Dollar movie uh, I think it's incredible Us also up there it's at number 13 uh, Dolomite Is My Name number 14 uh, incredible comeback performance from Eddie Murphy and uh, he's been on a roll between that and SNL and he's doing his Come to America 2 movie uh, so I can't wait for that uh, Knives Out uh, your number one movie of the year which is also really great uh, Little Women at number 16 which I saw the other day and that's one that I feel like the more I sit with it, the more it's going to raise, the, like rise in the ranks. Um, mm-hmm. But that movie's awesome. It's so much fun. I actually did a double feature of that with Uncut Gems. Um, and I saw. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I know. And I saw Little Women first. Um, nice. Which would have been like. I think I probably would have liked to do it the other way around just because Uncut Gems is very anti- anxiety inducing. And Little Women's like very, like, it's just pleasant. It's a pleasant movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but Little Women's great. I think Greta Gerwig uh, is really killing it lately. And I'm very excited to see what she does next. Um, and also, I had never like I had never been exposed to any Little Women thing in the past. Like, I, I had never seen any other version of Little Women as a movie. I've never read the book, uh, so this was like my first exposure to Little Women as a story, uh, and it's really great. I, I get it. I get why people like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Little Women's awesome. Uh, the Lego Movie too, as, as my number seventeen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which I loved I think I love that movie more than anyone else does. Um, but it's really, <laughs> it's really really good. Uh, Hustlers at number eighteen, uh, which is a really great movie okay. uh, and definitely worth checking out. Uh, my number nineteen is El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie.
1: Um, oh, that's cheating! Uh,
0: it's it's a movie. It's, a, uh, okay, I'm, it's, kidding. it's I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. It's it's a movie. It's a movie that was definitely enhanced by me having rewatched all of Breaking Bad leading up to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's uh, it's definitely a movie that counts. And then my number twenty is Jojo Rabbit uh which is also mm. really great it's a new type ytt movie uh my number 20 was very close to being alita battle angel just so you know uh
1: you take that shit back get the <laughs> get out of here Mike.
0: Uh, man. well
1: at least it wasn't joker i guess
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true uh alita battle <laughs> angel's great i'm just throwing that out there i mean uh, now we're going past my honorable mentions and going through like <laughs> my runner-up honorable mentions which okay we can skip it at this point but alita battle angel very close to like making that cut uh, and then I think uh, Little Women just kind of knocked it out at the last second, which you know, uh, good for Little Women. But, but Alita, Alita, great, great movie. Everybody should go watch Alita. One of the best blockbusters of the year uh, that everyone slept on. <laughs> and no, and again, one of those movies that I feel like I like a lot more than everybody else does. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I am actually. I think of this list, I am surprised. The Avengers the lack of Avengers Endgame Game on our list really surprised me. to me. Uh, is is I think the most surprising thing. Like I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be on mine, obviously, because I made my list, um, but. <laughs> But I really thought it would be on yours. I really thought, like, you always, like, I feel like your list usually includes either, like, the big Marvel movie or the big Star Wars movie. And the big Star Wars movie, like, was obviously not going to be on your list this year, so. (laughs)
1: Yeah, definitely not that. Um, Yeah, I just, the tastes are evolving, Mike, you know? Yeah. That's how it goes. Fair enough,
0: fair enough. Uh, Any other thoughts on our list, Mike? Any other things you wanted to point out? Anything that stood out to you? Uh,
1: I think the, the lack of overlap between our lists, or, well... There is a lot of overlap, but uh, placement-wise, at least, yeah, I, I think that I was mean, the pretty only cool.
0: movie that appeared. The only movies that appeared on both of our lists, I think, were Shazam, uh, Midsummer, Parasite, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, okay. which that's four movies out of a potential twenty, right? So that's that's pretty good, right? Theoretically, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think we did good. I think we did a solid job, Mike.
1: I think so too. I think we can pat Go, ourselves. I'm on proud back. of us.
0: Yeah. and i'm proud of the movie us which was my number 13 (laughs) uh all right so that is our top 10 movies of 2019 and you're thinking to yourself hey they must be done with the podcast now right nope uh (laughs) (laughs) think again you fools uh no we're actually gonna be moving on uh and take a look into the future now that 2019 is behind us take a look into 2020 and talk about the movies that we are most excited about We'll be doing that in just a minute uh, after we hear uh, another selection from one of my favorite songs of the year from movies, uh, and that's from Her Smell. It is Another Girl, Another Planet. for us to look ahead into the future to see what 2020 has in store for us. Uh, a lot of movies that I'm very excited about, Mike, and uh, normally what we used to do on the podcast mm-hmm. is we would genuinely just go through the entire calendar and be like, yeah, that looks good. Yeah, that looks good. Or, that looks like shit. <laughs> that looks good. Uh, and that was not the best way to do it i feel like. <laughs> i feel like mm,
1: no probably not uh,
0: not a great structure there so we're kind of structuring this as the count another countdown basically uh we're gonna be counting down our top five movies that we're most excited about in 2020 and hopefully all these movies are good we'll see what happens uh so, time will tell yeah so mike what uh, what is your number five movie the one that you're most excited to see in 2020
1: uh, number five, uh, to also copy my number 10. This is a little bit like tongue in cheek, like kind of sort of not really. Uh, New Mutants, maybe? <laughs> I just want to know. I'm so fucking curious. What is this movie?
0: Oh, man. I mean, New Mutants uh, was supposed to come out in 2018. <laughs> New Mutants has been featured on this part of the show every year for the last yep. three years. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs>
9: Do you know what mutants are?
11: Would anyone like to share their first time? Rain? I was 13. I thought it was a dream. I just lost control. Sam? I started panicking. People got hurt. Roberto? My girlfriend had burned her.
3: (laughs) Ileana?
5: I killed 18 men. One by one. I just have
1: to know. So I saw somebody pointed out uh, this. Th- they put out a trailer, a trailer two after yeah. two years. Um, that if the, by the time the movie is supposed to come out, the original trailer will be over two years old. I know, <laughs> just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, just what the fuck? It's like a, a horror take on the X Men movie, possibly yeah. uh, universe. I mean. If it hits theaters, that's incredible. Disney absolutely could just dump this on Disney Plus and, like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, midnight after the Super Bowl or some stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> the
3: New Year's Paradox.
1: Yeah. And, like, honestly, I would uh, – if, if it actually hits theaters, I'll be, like, shocked. I, I would yeah. applaud them for doing that instead of just dumping it. Um, but yeah, I just have to know. I am so curious about it.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, we, we will definitely be reviewing new mutants, um, when, <laughs> if, and when that comes out, Absolutely, if it comes out we're, we're, I'm still like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I know they just put out a new <laughs> yeah. trailer. Um, but even so it's one of those things where it's like, uh, man. There's no way it's actually gets released, right? That's
1: <laughs> this is the closest to Shrek Five, like that that joke, <laughs> to being real, we're gonna get, and I I just have to hope it does come yeah. become real.
0: Yeah, so that's a New Mutants, theoretically, I guess the final X Men movie before. Um... That other Marvel takes X Men, does their own things, which is weird because we theoretically had the final X Men movie earlier this year with <laughs> with Dark Phoenix, and then they had this other afterthought, and it's like, oh shit, we have a new <laughs> oh fuck, we forgot. <laughs> Can we just like not put this out? Oh no. <laughs> uh, but it's weird. I mean, I saw the I watched the new trailer, and it looks pretty much the same as it did back two years ago. Uh, from what I from what I understand, what happened is Fox delayed the movie the first time. Um, like they right. delayed the movie and they decided to, they wanted to do some reshoots. They wanted to like do some reshoots of the movie because they didn't like the way it turned out. And then Disney bought Fox and now the, the reshoots that were scheduled never happened. So they're just putting out the movie that was originally being released. I think, <laughs> uh, so I,
1: we're getting the mutant cut.
0: We're getting the new mutant cut. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, really curious to see how this movie turns out. I mean, it has a lot of good people in it. Anya Taylor joy is in this movie uh which is she's she's great and Maisie williams from Game yeah. of thrones and uh the kid from stranger things uh the fucking big brother guy whatever his name uh
1: <laughs> one of them i don't know
0: yeah old, old buyers as he's as he's known in the show
1: <laughs> as he's known as
0: as he's known affectionately in the show old buyers <laughs> <laughs> uh you know. jonathan that's his name yeah he's in here looking tired as usual and <laughs> all that stuff yeah uh you know it's it's new Mutants. i'm, I'm actually really curious to see uh how it's going to turn out too so yeah that's a good choice for your number five for sure uh all right my number five i'm cheating here i got two movies in my number five slot uh you son of a bitch <laughs> uh but they're, they're two movies that i feel coexist with each other and they are steven spielberg's remake of west side story which comes out in december uh and the uh musical adaptation of in the heights uh which is coming out in june Ooh. all right all right everybody sit down sit down
10: yeah. it's the story of a block that was disappearing yeah. in a barrio called
11: washington heights the streets were made of music
10: i am and you probably never heard my name reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated oh.
0: Uh, and i'm a big fan of both of these musicals and i'm just in general ready for like a big wave of big budget musicals that don't have horrifying cats in them (laughs) which which by the way i really wanted to see cats and just did not get the chance to do it like i was like trying to schedule it out and it just didn't happen, and I'm really upset about it because it's leaving my theater uh, this weekend, and I, I won't get I won't, no. a chance. Uh, so that's a bummer, for sure. But even so, like I, like I really wanted to see catch just because it's supposed to be a disaster. Uh, we were, we were yeah. talking about this the other day, actually. It's good. It's I, I will mm-hmm. absolutely be watching it as soon as it comes out on video because it just seems like an experience now. Like Everybody who sees it Sort of has like a weird affection for it, I think, at this point, because it is, like, yeah. such a big swing. I mean, it is, like, the definition of a blank check movie.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: which I believe, uh, yeah, I've listened to a lot of the blank check podcast, which is why I'm thinking about it in, that, in those terms. But, yeah, what were you going to say, like,
1: I, I wish I would have been able to see the Human Hands version. Like, I don't want to see the, like, fixed, correct version. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, that was it. Maybe yeah. the Blu-ray will have both versions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you never know. I mean, it's, it's weird. I mean, so, yeah, we were talking about this also off the air, too, but... You know, cats they, they put out the version that came out in theaters and then like a week later they were like we have updated visual effects that we're putting in theaters now. The movie wasn't done when they put it in theaters <laughs> the first time.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> it's
0: absolutely insane. And if you read into some of like the making of the movie, like if you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff, they're not wearing mocap suits. Like they made the movie without motion capture, which means they had to use fucking CGI artists on every frame of the movie. <laughs>
3: Jesus Without
0: the it's it's bananas. I genuinely don't think Tom Hooper knows how to make movies. <laughs> or <laughs> or at least movies that have visual effects in them, you know. It's whatever, but uh, anyway, uh, that's a tangent that we didn't mean to get on. I'm saying West Side Story and The Heights. I'm really excited for both those movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I'm ready for a wave of big-budget musicals. I feel like we've kind of been seeing slightly more of those over the past couple of years, and uh, 2020 has these two really high-profile ones. I'm really eager to see what Spielberg can do with a musical, because he hasn't really done one before, uh, except for the opening of Temple of Doom, which is uh, oh, it's awesome. Still owns. Uh, <laughs> True. Uh, still great. And then uh, John Chu uh, used to work on these Step Up movies, um, and then just recently did Crazy Rich Asians uh and this kind of feels like it's merging both of those worlds um plus Lynn manuel miranda is still involved i mean in the heights was his show before hamilton right and you know so he's still involved and still working on the writing and i think the other co-writer of the book is still involved with this as well and the lead actor is um anthony ramos who was in hamilton the original cast of hamilton also um playing um F- uh, philip hamilton's son uh and nice. so he's like the perfect choice to play the role that Lin-Manuel played on, on stage like 10, 12 years ago whatever it was uh, so yeah very excited for both those movies uh, West Side Story being out in December and uh, In the Heights June 26th which is the day before my birthday so it's like a birthday present to me uh, there there's you a go a Lin-Manuel musical that I finally get to see still haven't seen Hamilton uh, and, I'm, <laughs> and, I, and I silently curse you every time I think about it because I know you saw it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um, but yeah, so that's my those are my number five picks, I guess. Uh, the, the, the rest <laughs> of mine are singles. The rest of mine are singles. But uh, what? All right. Fine. What's the, what's the number four movie that you're looking forward to the most uh, next year, Mike?
1: Uh, my number four movie that I'm looking forward to is the follow-up to uh, David Gordon Green's 2018 Halloween, and that is Halloween Kills. Okay, and uh, kind of, I don't really know anything about what this movie is supposed to be about, honestly. Um, <laughs> I just really like the 2018 Halloween, and I just, I, I like the the team that's involved, uh, just like David Gordon Green and all those guys, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is back again, and, and just like, I just, I don't know, it's cool. It's it's it just feels so familiar, Mike. <laughs> uh, really, just like A warm, spooky, scary death. Uh- <laughs> of death yeah that i'm gonna be smothered in um yeah. yeah like i don't know it's just cool it's cool that we're getting like you know prestige horror stuff with halloween again right. which is weird as fuck <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah. that's that's halloween kills i think that's probably i guess assume slated for halloween october uh, somewhere.
0: it would be stupid if it was not but then again dr sleep came out november
1: in- 1st <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> Who knows? Um, but yeah, Halloween Kills, I'm looking forward to that too. I really enjoyed the first, uh, or the new Halloween, I guess. Uh, and it's and it's kind of yeah. like a double, I think they're shooting it back to back with another Halloween sequel. Um, Halloween right. Halloween Ends, which is what they're calling it, which, you know, it's not going to end there. There's going to be more Halloween movies after that, but, <laughs> but
1: that's Yeah, like they all. even said that. Yeah, they
0: even <laughs> said like, yeah, that's probably not going to be the last one. Um, but definitely cool <laughs> to, uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited for Halloween Kills as well. I'm sure we'll cover that in the podcast also. My number four movie that I'm looking forward to in 2020 is Daniel Craig's Last Outing as Mr. Janewell Bond. Uh, <laughs> that's his full name. It's Bond.
2: Just Christian name.
0: Janewell Bond. Uh, no Time to Die.
2: James Bond. License to Kill. History of Violence. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after
8: I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play
0: God. Uh, which, uh, have you seen the trailer for this movie yet, Mike?
1: Uh, no, I intentionally invo- avoided it. So oh, really? So, I haven't uh, seen so the trailer yet. You
0: didn't see it before, like Star Wars or anything? Like it's, this is like...
1: I don't think so. Okay. How the fuck did that
0: happen? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I saw I saw it had Star Wars, and like I like I, I had seen the trailer before that when I watched it in Star Wars, like I gasped when it came on. I was like, oh, my God, this looks great. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, yeah, No Time to Die, directed by Cary Fukunaga, who is, like, a really great director. He did True Detective Season 1. Um, he did Beast of No Nation and uh, a lot of great movies. He almost, and this is his first real shot of a blockbuster. Um, he almost directed It right. back in the day. He was almost the guy who took on It, but uh, instead... Uh, walked away from that. Did create differences this time around. It seems like he's going to really go all well out with this one. Uh, Sam Mendes directed the last two, but this one I feel like I'm really excited about it. I and mean, Daniel Craig is my favorite James Bond. And Casino Royale, spicy. Yeah, I know. And uh, Casino Royale, Skyfall, I think are two like all-time James Bond movies uh, and action movies in general. Not a big fan of, Quantum of Solace. Uh And I, th- I think Spectre is better than most people give him credit for. Um, but still, like that's like two out of four. I think he can nail if he can nail this last one. That's like. A better ratio than most james bond actors have i think
1: oh yeah <laughs> think. absolutely uh
0: so yeah no time to die coming out in april and uh i am psyched for this movie for sure i mean it, when when you see the trailer and i'm sure you will at some point like ahead of some movie um you're yeah. gonna see what i'm seeing like it just looks so fucking cool <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah that is my number four mike what's your number three movie that you're most looking forward to in 2020
1: uh I intentionally avoided the trailer for no time to die because it's my number 3 movie that I'm oh. most looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um
1: yeah, I I don't know I I did I just like black out during that? I must have. It must have been before Star Wars, right?
0: Like it, I don't understand. I'm pretty sure that's when they released uh, it online, like right before Star Wars came out. So yeah, that would make sense. If it was if it was to it. maybe. I mean, but I I, I, I also just... saw Star Wars in IMAX, and so maybe it was a little different. I, I don't
1: know. Oh, maybe yeah, possibly. But I do also remember before Star Wars, there was a full 45 minutes of trailers, and I was like, get me like I was so fucking mad before <laughs> that movie even started. Interesting. Uh, have, you
0: seen, have you seen it a regular AMC? Just out of curiosity. Regal, okay, I, which now
1: has also commercials in between yes, trailers. Yes,
0: I I didn't realize that. Um, because I see today I have an AMC in Missoula, so it's not it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw it, when I saw Knives Out again at home, I went to a Regal, and they were showing commercials in between trailers, and I was so confused and so angry about it.
1: Yeah, it fucking uh, sucks. Yeah, it's the worst. Uh, and then also too, you know that like Regal has that like roller coaster thing that's like, oh, the movie. Okay, here we go. Movie's yeah. start starting. Trailers are done. Trail. Nope, three more Disney trailers after that. Uh, <laughs> Hated it. Hated every second. Star Wars sucks. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I got a parking ticket. God damn it! No, um, <laughs> no time to die. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for it. I think Skyfall is my favorite, one of my favorite, if not my favorite Bond movie of all of them. Uh, so yeah, I'm really. I hope, like you said, he can stick. Craig can like stick the landing on this one and like. S- okay, yeah, three out of the five are great. Um, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, So hopefully, I mean, I'm sure it'll be dope. I I like Fukunaga. I haven't seen I didn't see uh, Maniac, I think was the Netflix show. I watched like one or two episodes of it that he did uh, with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Um, Yeah. And his style is just so weird. But I love True Detective season one. So I'm excited to see what what he can do on like a like you said, like a blockbuster action movie kind of thing. That'll be cool. Yeah,
0: definitely. So that's No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie. Very excited about that one. And uh, my number three is another movie that I've been following over the course of 10 plus years, and I can't believe it's actually happening. Uh, very different from The Irishman. Um, Bill and Ted <laughs> *Bill and Ted Face the Music is <laughs> is the movie. Nice. Uh, which I am so psyched for. I mean, and this one's um, directed by Dean Parasite, who's the director of Galaxy Quest. Um, so I'm kind of Ooh. excited about that. Um, but Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, one of my favorite movies ever. Bogus Journey, terrific sequel. They got the Galaxy Quest guy. I am hopeful, and they have the original screen. They have the original screenwriters on board too, uh, including Ed Solomon. And I'm hopeful they can do something that's exciting and new, that's keeping in the spirit of the first two without just rewriting old ground. And you still have not seen the first two Bill and Ted's, right, Mike?
1: Correct. I have not yeah, seen them yet. You're
0: gonna have to because we're definitely reviewing this movie. <laughs> There's no way that I'm not discussing this for like three plus hours. So. <laughs> Fair. uh yeah bill and ted face the music i i am very excited about this uh everything i've heard about the script sounds very encouraging uh and it sounds like they really want to do a killer job with this and you know keanu Reeves at this point can't do no wrong so i'm really excited to see him return to the role of ted and i'm really excited to see alex winter back in like a major way um with this movie too yeah. i love alex winter and i remember um when grand piano came out um which is a movie that i love um he is a supporting role in that movie remember grand piano that's the elijah wood movie the yeah yes the brian depano ripoff which is also kind of about the speed and it's about a a guy who has to play piano or will die um alex alex winter is like a guy helping out the killer in the movie and he's and i like genuinely was like oh my god it's like i was so excited to see him because you never see alex winter in movies outside of bill and ted um he most of his career is like a documentary filmmaker now he doesn't actually like star in movies anymore um Oh, that's cool! Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to see him like back front and center in this movie. And uh, the cast they've started to assemble for this movie. Kid Cuddy is in this, uh, like, like <laughs> like you said, Samara Weaving's going to be in this. They're bringing back William Sadler as uh, Death, uh, which is very cool. Nice. Uh, so yeah, Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, and again, it's one of those movies that's just been they've been trying to make it happen for years and years and years, and now finally. It's going down. Steven Soderbergh producing this movie also, by the way. Just throwing that out there, which is very weird. Go on. Um, But yeah, Bill and Ted Face the Music is my number three. Mike, what's your number two uh, movie that you're looking forward to in 2020?
1: Uh, My number two movie uh, is the director that I'm second most stan for, I guess. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) Most excited by besides Ryan Johnson. And that's Danny Villeneuve uh, and his Dune movie. There you go. Yes, his new Dune adaptation. And uh, I mean... I'll be honest. As far as like my nerd cred goes, I've never read Dune. I've never seen the David Lynch one, uh, so like I don't have much much affinity to the like to the property per se. Yeah. But like just this like weird heady sci fi shit and Villeneuve, like I'm in. Like that's it. And yeah. the cast for this that that is outrageous. I forget everybody who's in it, but I think everybody is in it. Um, <laughs> it's one
0: of those things. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I know uh, Timothy <laughs> Chalamet is the lead.
1: Ah, uh, never mind. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Tilly Shalve is the lead character, and then it's like a huge ensemble of just like every actor who's ever been in a movie. Um, I think, inc- and yeah, again, I'm also blanking on who's in it. Um, I know Jason Momoa, I think, is in it too. Uh, yeah. that's is Oscar in it- Isaac in it also? I think Oscar Isaac might be in it too, yeah. I, I, you could just say a name, and it's like, yeah, he's probably in Dune. They're probably in Dune. <laughs> like, no matter
1: what. <laughs> I, th- I think I... Dave Bautista is back, or is in it, oh, yeah. you know, after him being in 2049, or Blade yes. Runner 2049. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know, man. It's just going to be weird and cool, and, you know, we're, we, I'm a big Dylan, Villeneuve fan, yeah. so, like, let's go. I'm really excited. To see, and that's
0: coming out in December 2020, uh, in a month, in a year where there's no Star Wars movie coming out. Um, so, Dune, right. Dune is going to be next year's Star Wars, uh, and...
1: Oh, my. <laughs> well, I mean
0: that. I mean that in a potentially good way. Who knows? Like, <laughs> I know. I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it's going to be next year's Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. I just said it was going to be okay. Star all right. Okay. Oof, I got scared. <laughs> I meant like it, you know the big blockbuster movie that's coming out in 2020. Um in, yes. in, in December 2020, like the big Christmas release. So I'm really eager to see how audiences embrace Dune because I know it's like, again. I also have not read the novel. I know it's supposed to be very dense. Um. <laughs> so yeah, really it's huge. Yeah. I do know that. Yes, yeah, so really curious to see how that goes. But yeah, good choice for number two. Uh, my number two uh, is the new movie from Christopher Nolan, and that is *Tenet*.
11: You chose to die instead of giving up your
12: colleagues. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Welcome to the afterlife.
0: Which I saw the uh, six-minute IMAX prologue for this ahead of *Star Wars* and shit Whoa. man this looks good this is, looks so fucking good <laughs> uh it's a new Christopher Nolan film so I'd be hyped regardless um but to see him back in like just wild sci-fi territory is exciting I'm still not entirely sure what the movie is about uh and I've and, yeah. you know, I've seen the trailer a couple times I've seen that prologue and like it clearly involves time travel in some way but I I don't know anything about the actual story I can't wait for it though it just looks so cool and it's a new Christopher Nolan movie so like I'm there day one regardless uh so that one's coming out uh, on july 17th which is always like the nolan date like the, the nolan weekend it's always around that time in july that's
1: uh, awesome so
0: yeah Tenet is my number two movie of the year did you see the trailer for this movie
1: uh i did see the trailer for this movie which is why it's my number one movie that i most anticipated <laughs> <laughs> for uh, in 2020 yeah uh, i did not see it uh, star wars and imax like i mentioned before so i didn't see whatever that prologue thing was uh, but that sounds dope it's kind of funny like uh, I don't want to know anything about this movie, but like mm, a six minute behind the scenes intro thing, yeah. like uh, sign me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's not a behind
0: the scenes. Thing, it's, an <laughs> a, it's an actual scene from the movie. Oh fuck! What? That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's like I mean they, they did this with um, The Dark Knight and with uh, Dark Knight Rises too. Um, they kind of did like the, pro, the oh, prologue yeah. of the movie ahead of like a big IMAX release. Like I think they were like yeah. Dark Knight was ahead of like uh, some uh, I Am Legend or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I, Dark, Dark Knight Rises, I remember. Sure. Dark Knight Rises, I remember was in front of uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Uh that was a thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh so everybody was like going and see the movie and like seeing the six minute like dark night tree preview and be like, oh my god, this is incredible. Uh, but yeah, they kinda of did the same thing with Tenet and with Star Wars uh,
6: nice.
1: Um uh yeah, but like you said, I don't really I think it's like time travel assassins or some shit, or time travel detectives. I don't even really know. Right. Uh but it looks cool. It's sci-fi action from Christopher Nolan. Like that's yeah. it. I'm in. That's all you need. Uh, <laughs> uh
0: so yeah, very excited for Tenet. That's your number one most anticipated movie of twenty twenty. And as for me, um, I got to go with one of my favorite, all-time favorite directors. Like I mentioned before, Quentin Tarantino, probably in my top five directors of all time. This guy also in the list. Uh, and I think it's a movie you may have forgotten about. Otherwise, I probably would have made your top five also. Uh, it's a new movie from director Edgar Wright. Uh, and it's- oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and it is called Last Night in Soho uh it's a new edgar Wright movie which means it's like automatically in my number one slot like i don't <laughs> like i don't need to yeah. i don't need to know anything about this movie i just need to know it's an edgar Wright movie and i'm in and it's and it's but it's right doing a real horror film which is very exciting yeah um and supposedly it's influenced by uh, nicholas rogues don't look now and roman polanski's repulsion got a great, great cast that includes thomas mckenzie who's in jojo rabbit this year and anya taylor joy um, who I just mentioned before is also in New Mutants, uh, so that's, she's gonna have a very interesting, interesting <laughs> year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, they're in the leads, uh, and I think they're two of the more exciting young actors working today. Uh, so yeah, September 25th, that is the release date for Last Night in Soho. Very, very, very excited for this movie, and there's no trailer or anything yet, so I can't like play a clip or anything. But it just look, it looks really good. <laughs> it looks really good.
1: Yeah. I absolutely forgot about that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think, it, yeah, it's like Giallo, like Italian horror slasher stuff I think it's supposed to be heavily inspired by. Right. Uh, and that's awesome. I recently, I think like within the last couple weeks, watched the last 20 minutes of Thoroughbreds on HBO, like, and fuck, man, <laughs> Ani Taylor-Joy is so good. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. So I'm excited for that. Definitely. Get out of here, New Mutants. Nobody cares about you. If I have to keep it to five. <laughs> yeah
0: kicking out new mutants that's a shame um, but yeah, yeah any other mentions you want to throw out there for movies that you're excited about Mike I mean we we didn't mention any Marvel or DC movies or anything like that uh, which is uh, sort of surprising but also uh, maybe, maybe we're both just a little burnt out of like the big blockbuster movies
1: um Yeah, I think yeah. it's just like that—that that crushing corporatization. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just like man, whatever. I'm not I mean, interested anymore. Like we're
0: gonna see these movies and probably enjoy them, but it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, Black Widow's coming out, and it's like, I know what Black Widow's gonna be. Like I, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, I
1: know Florence Pugh though. We have to. Yeah, fuck.
0: Got to see. Yeah. Got to stand for Florence Pugh. Um, yeah. Uh, fuck. Um, but yeah, like I know what Black Widow's gonna be, and like I'm sure it'll be good. I, I feel like you know it's probably gonna be fun, and I like Black Widow as a character. But, like, yeah, you know, it's another Marvel movie. And they're, like, they're. and yeah. I've mostly enjoyed these movies. I think they're mostly, like, a lot of them are great. Um, but I don't know. Just It's it, it's a weird, maybe it is just the Disney thing, like, kind of starting to crush me a little bit. Uh, yeah. But, I,
1: I, I think it's like what you said before, where, like, you know they're going to be good. Like, yes. Like, we don't, like, there's no... Uh, uh, yeah. Anticipation about whether or not, like, ooh, what's gonna happen? Right. Like, what's this gonna even be about? Oh yeah, we just like, all kind of know, except for maybe the the Doctor Strange one because that might just be like a quote unquote horror movie. Um, but you know, whatever uh, yeah. that could be interesting. and could be very different. But otherwise, like, yeah, sure, I'm like, uh, I'm excited for Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, or yeah, um, yeah. and just like you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm, see them. I'm, excited, I'm sure. I'm excited
0: for Wonder Woman, actually more excited for Birds of Prey, which is coming out in February um oh that yeah actually yeah. i think that looks great i'm actually really excited for that one um that actually almost in <laughs> the top five because that's another one that like again i think i'm thinking disney uh not disney dc right now just feels like they're in a more exciting place than marvel uh only only because yeah. like there there's a lot of unknown quantities there like we don't actually know <laughs> what's how those movies are going to mm-hmm. turn out uh and they could potentially be great i feel like marvel there's like a cap on how good they can be in a lot of cases and DC like there's a cap there's no cap that can be great they can be terrible who knows like can, like like Birds of Prey could <laughs> yeah. be the next Green Lantern but like it could, it's it's a it's a chance we can give it a shot um
1: could be Shazam you don't know could be
0: the next Shazam we'll see um but yeah so I'm excited for Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman and yeah I'm excited for Black Widow and Eternals as well uh and I think those are really like the only major superhero movies coming out in 2020 uh, which is kind of nice, like you know, only like four, big, yeah. only four, and I guess New Mutants also, uh, if, if it comes out, uh,
1: if it comes out. But
0: only like a couple of major superhero movies, and then like leave the rest. Uh, actually, I think the Disney slate in 2020, even though we're talking about how crushing it was for 2019 with just all these yeah. sequels and remakes and adaptations and like you know, comics and Star Wars and all that, 2020 looks more interesting for Disney at least because it's more original stuff um like there is a remake of mulan and there is like black widow and eternals um but they have like an an original animated movie coming out this year uh and they have like two pixar movies both originals coming out as well and a couple of other things uh plus some holdovers from the fox merger and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i think think they're the ones producing the artemis fowl movie also
1: yeah i think so you're right so i
0: think there is that too uh so yeah there's uh, some stuff coming out in 2020 i'm looking forward to that uh fast and furious 9 also in 2020 um
6: like sh- short
0: hey i'm down man i mean uh, th- <laughs> this one's bringing back justin Lin as director so that's that's an exciting thing to me uh and i'm pretty wow. curious to see uh, how that's how that's gonna turn out um i don't know any other big releases in 2020 that i that i've missed uh, oh godzilla or godzilla vs. kong and eh? oh yeah <laughs> uh i mean I, I feel like we were both kind of disappointed in king of the monsters but like it's it's godzilla vs. kong i'll check it out like <laughs>
1: You'll have to watch your whole Criterion Showa era collection, and then yes, we'll go see it.
0: I did just get the big uh, Godzilla Criterion Blu Ray set that uh, was just put out uh, for uh, for Christmas, so I'll, I'll definitely uh, yeah, I'm gonna re- <laughs> watch all the Godzilla like movies from 1954 <laughs> through 1975, and then go see Godzilla vs Kong. Actually, one of the, one of the movies mm-hmm. included is the original Godzilla vs Kong. Um, there so you I'm gonna go. just rewatch that, or and then then go to the new one yeah other, otherwise i mean 2020 i'm sure there's a lot of stuff on the list that like we're not thinking of you know and stuff and stuff that we don't even know exists yet also is the thing uh like right. i think the new paul thomas anderson movie is supposed to come out in 2020 but we don't know what the date is or what the title is or anything like that uh and there's a lot of like you know great up-and-coming directors and stuff maybe ari aster has a new movie in the works already who knows
3: we can only hope <laughs> he did man. he
0: did it again in 2019 he, he like let's go for the 3 feet. 2020 <laughs> never yep. sleep ari aster um <laughs> but yeah otherwise I think that about wraps things up for this episode Mike unless you have any last thoughts to get out there.
1: Uh no it's just I th- I feel like maybe the last few years we've been like man this is the best year for movies ever. But I feel like 2019 as evidenced by our uh how many movies you were like great movie didn't make the top 10. <laughs> um, you know. Uh I feel like this might be a peak peak movie. This was maybe a very- not peak movie. But you know what I mean. Yeah
0: this this was a really really great year for movies and I feel like you know, I I feel like if you only see like a couple movies a year, you might not realize that, um, because they are movies that came through in all sorts of different places. You know, like if you if you yeah. come, if you only see like you know the two Marvel movies that come out a year on like a Star Wars, uh, <laughs> then you're missing then right. you're missing out on a lot of great stuff, and that's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, a really great year for movies, and yeah, like I said, I mean, there's like thirty five movies that could have been like that could easily slid into my top ten. <laughs> uh and just did not for whatever reason but uh yeah my my top 10 i think is i'm pretty happy with it until tomorrow and then i realized like oh man i should have put this movie in there I, and again i think i think <laughs> i think little women is gonna like keep rising in the ranks until it's like in the number four or five slot like it's it, like wow. like it's at 16 right now and it's just like the more i sit with it the more I'm, like man little women fucking rocks Credit girl she's great go watch <laughs> little women uh <laughs>
3: there you go
0: all right so that is the end of our uh, big top 10 episode uh for 2019 And uh, we'll be back at it again for 2020 uh, for next year. But we're also going to be doing other episodes in the meantime before then uh, throughout the year. (laughs) Uh, No, we're
1: were only going to do one episode a year for our top 10 countdown. Yeah,
0: we're going to make it a more exclusive podcast where you have to listen once a year (laughs) (laughs) or else that's it. Uh, All right. So, Mike, where can we find you online this week?
1: You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd.
0: And you can find me at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd or Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, uh, Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. I really got to like stream yeah. stream, stream Streamline. all that stuff and make it into one thing. <laughs> Uh, Alright, thank you for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike DiCrecio. Don't forget to rate and review the show at the podcast or any other podcast app. If you want to contact us, hit us up at Mike and Mike Go to the movies at gmail.com, and you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the Review Zoo, a podcast about all kinds of geek news and stuff. Uh, so here's how it's going to work. We're going to be back with another new episode next week, uh, but not with a movie to review. It's going to be more lists. Everybody loves lists, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, since the 2010s have come to a close... We're going to be counting down our top movies of the entire decade, plus, since the Oscar nominations will be announced next week, we'll be talking about them too. Uh, And then, the week after, we'll be relaunching The Complete Works into something new. How new? Even we don't know. Uh, (laughs) We have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, Do you have your shortlist finalized, Mike?
1: I do. My shortlist is done.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Okay, so how it's going to work is me and Mike each picked five actors, uh, or actresses, and we're going to say we're going to kind of pit them against each other in like one episode where we determine who's going to be the subject of the next season of the complete works uh and we we kind of set a couple of ground rules uh the main one is they can't have been in any movies with Nicolas cage so right. that's that's kind of the main one they've also going to be have been working for at least 20 plus years so it's like a, a kind of a lengthy ish podcast
1: uh oh i gotta take florence oh. pew off my uh <laughs>
0: We're just going to talk about uh, Midsummer 10, 15 times and call it a podcast. (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, And then I think we had one other rule, and I'm blanking on what it was. But we had a rule. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It's going to be loose. It's going to be fun. So we'll be doing that in two weeks. Before (laughs) that, we're counting down our top films of the decade. Looking forward to that as well. And that's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. To play us out, uh, I got one more song for you from... Uh, not a movie that was one of my favorites of the year, but this song was definitely high up there for me, and I felt like it was fitting to end 2019 with a song that celebrates the Keanu-sance. Uh it is I Punch Keanu Reeves from Always Be My Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right that's the end of my guns movies we'll see you on the other side
2: best believe i punched keanu reeves and it was better than any scene you could see in speed i hit john wick and now i'm feeling so appealing basically i'm a god you could call me hercules best believe i punched keanu reeves and it was better than any scene you could see in speed i'm telling you for real i punched neo he could duck bullets but he couldn't duck me yeah. I'm feeling so refreshed, the new sheriff's in town Check the button on my vest, it's Keanu with the bruise around the oculus Now I'm just cruising the metropolis Am I prime like optimist Everything is half full, I'm an optimist Haven't done-ish, yet I feel accomplished Best pugilist, blessed with the iron fist Strong enough to survive the apocalypse And any summit I could be on Any point break, I could surf with my Geon. Take any fight or any class, I'ma put you on your ass Then I'll pee on you peons for eons, eons, eons and eons etc not a tall fellow but nobody can measure up and if you want to feel similar to this all i had to do was cold cock an icon of cinema best believe i punched keanu reeves and it was better than any scene you could see in speed i hit john wick and now i'm feeling so appealing basically i'm a god you can call me hercules yeah. what an excellent adventure i wouldn't be surprised if is wearing yeah.
0: uh,
2: my number four movie uh.
14: I missed a before we started so. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, mistake
3: yeah